The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> How about that? For another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's episode 58, the Jonathan Papelbon edition. The Palazzo Podcast is part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. Head on over to rotofanatic.com and start researching with the Data Monster. On today's episode, we have a new incredible guest. The parade of guests keeps on a coming. You may know him from friends with fantasy benefits, fan graphs, and the sleeper in the bust. The incomparable Justin Mason is here to talk fantasy baseball. Don't miss your chance to get in on the 2021 Friends with Fantasy Benefits Draft Guide. It has everything you need to know from auction values to how to start your very own fantasy baseball league. Take it away, boys! Well, we're partially live. Hi, welcome in. This is the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You are tuned into the show that is the most listened to show at 2.30 a.m. on Wednesday nights. Now, I know that's very specific, but it is true. We want to give a shout-out to Russell Crowe. This is the official podcast of Russell Crowe, fantasy baseball podcast in particular. Shout-out to Master and Commander, one of the finest films ever to grace the silver screen. Tribute. And, yeah, we're underway. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com is the best way that you can connect with us. You can always DM us on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's. Utah! Give me That's two. how we do it. We do it Utah style. We're excited to have a special guest on today. We're continuing to dive in and connect with people. They're going to tell you what's what. You're going to love it. Deary, are you excited for tonight's show or are you feeling trepidatious in any way? Oh, no. I'm super, super stoked for tonight's show. We're getting pounded on with snow in Ann Arbor. And I actually enjoy it because we haven't gotten any snow yet in Michigan, really. So uh, it's happening. It's beautiful outside. And uh, I'm excited for uh exciting pod with a fantastic guest as always 
It's funny you mentioned that, by the way, uh, before we get to our guest. I, I just drove back in that hellstorm because I ran up to Meyer real quick, and it was a fucking nightmare. It was brutal. It's actually a legit snowstorm, ladies and gentlemen, but for the first time in my life, I have four-wheel drive. I can't believe it. It's so cool. So I'm a very lucky guy. Anyways, let's cut the shit. Let's get to our guest of honor. Tonight's main attraction. This bout is scheduled for one fall. He is known for the sleeper in the bus. That's one thing he's known for. He's also known for friends with fantasy benefits. He is basically the guy who is most associated with Roto-Wear. I think that's fair to say. He is somebody that never, never lets you down. He is the king of all goofiness with the baddest fucking wife in fantasy baseball, bar none. Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, Justin Mason! I just want you to narrate my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that Family Guy episode where uh, he has a... Walk around and narrate everything he does. I would, yeah. I would be interested in that. We could work out a deal, maybe talk about it after the show. Or at least just like be the play-by-play guy for my wife or for my life. Like Justin <laughs> goes to the fridge, he makes a cut. Oh God, he's down with the milk. Oh, that was ugly. Uh, you know, I'm sure your wife would love that if I was always there narrating every detail of your life. Mike can be the narrator when the biopic comes out of Justin in about 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I want Alex Fast to play me. I've already said that. I've seen his acting chops. Um, you know, so when the movie is made of my life, Alex doesn't look like me, so he's gonna have to do some things for his physical appearance. Yeah. But I, I mean, dude just has the acting chops. I I need Alex Fast to do the acting on that one. Cha cha cha. Cha cha cha. Yeah, well, we're gonna have a fun time today with Justin. By the way, Justin, who else? would play your wife then if Alex fast is going to play you who would play your wife oh god that's that's a really really good question i mean i don't know that there's anybody in the fantasy industry that could pull that off no so. no, no, no 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 uh i, I mean, thought you were gonna say by the way i thought you were gonna say there's nobody that could replace my wife i mean I thought you were kissing some serious ass there for a second <laughs> yeah i mean I, I always thought maybe like a courtney cox could do it you know oh. she, she could do the humor and, the, and kind of the schneid uh uh, you know, uh, repertoire my wife has, but um, I don't know if there is anyone. I mean, my wife is kind of one in a million in so many ways, some great, some awful. Uh, <laughs> so she's eating dinner right now, so she's not catching this, which is Yay! good. So we, we're free to do as we please. All right. Mm-hmm. But I was hoping maybe she'd pop in behind you and like slam you over the head with a four by four or something like that. But you never know. It just depends on how long the podcast takes and how long dinner takes. So you got a steel cage in the backyard for when pods go too long and she drags your ass back out there and takes care of business. If you see me start looking down like that, it's because my phone is buzzing uncontrollably. Like, when are you gonna be done? But she likes Michael a lot. So I think she, I think we'll be be okay here. Yes, I knew I'd get a little bit of a benefit. Thank you, Danielle. We love you. Shout out to her. And uh, hopefully I'll get her back on the first day pod later this year at some point, too. When she's I'm ready. sure she would love that. I, I'd like to have both of you guys on to talk handily, actually. That would be fun, too. But I will I'd come like on to give her time you ask. You get a lot of spotlight. I'd like to give her her time, too. So This is true. All right. Well, hey, we're going to talk about all kinds of shit today on the show. We're going to talk about fantasy baseball, most likely. I assume that'll some come up somewhere along the way. We're going to talk about, yeah, yeah, you know. We're going to talk about strategies and specific leagues, how Justin looks at it. We'll talk about some silly stuff in the Inquisition, and then we'll break down some ADP conundrums, take a look at some trades. 
I won't do that. This is a new segment. I won't do that. Players that we probably don't want to draft. Now, we never say never, but we're going to try to avoid these players. That's basically the sentiment. We'll get inside Justin's head on his fantasy process, throw some projections at him, courtesy of Steve Paolo's Stomper Projections. Your tweets and emails, close it with a mad as hell, because we got Justin. We got to do a mad as hell for this episode, and that'll be that. But more importantly, Justin, tell people about the draft guide. Friends with Fantasy Benefits draft guide is now live, and it's very, very reasonably priced. It is very reasonably priced, and it is award nominated uh it was nominated for uh fantasy sports writers association award uh and that's gonna be let's see the that is they just announced it uh next wednesday at 2 p.m eastern so i'll be listening wow. to serious and hoping that we we win i mean it's it's usually when we say it's just an honor to be nominated like i was nominated for podcasts of the year like it, it is an honor for sure but I really want to win. Like that's that's. But for for the draft guide, we're going up against uh, the baseball HQ forecaster, the baseball HQ minor league analyst, um, you know, baseball prospectus uh, forecaster, uh, and Rotowire magazine. Like we're going up against. It's all the big guys in the industry, and then us. So I don't think we're gonna win. It, but it really is an honor to just be put up there with those guys. It's been just a huge honor. Uh, 350 plus pages uh, that, you know, a, a bunch of my guys over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits worked on tirelessly. I mean, I wrote 22, the equivalent of 22 articles for it was up till three o'clock in the morning for like three straight weeks. Uh, you can get it over on Amazon. It's called The Fantasy Benefit. Uh, it's in paperback or ebook, or you can email me for the $7 PDF, justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com. And I, I appreciate everybody's already purchased it uh, and supported it. Uh, it's It's just been... I, this this was going to be the last year that I was going to do it because it just takes so much work. But now that it's been nominated, I think I have to follow it up next year again. <laughs> just yeah, to, they sucked you in, dude. Yeah. Can't retire. Cannot retire it yet. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do appreciate everybody who's who's been supporting it and everybody who's been pumping it for me. Uh, guys like uh, you guys and uh, Matt Williams and uh, Robert DiPietro, uh, you know, uh, Michael Simeone, like all these guys have really helped me and rallied around. And, uh, and so I, I do appreciate that. It's a lot of love from the industry, which is always amazing. Well, you know, I mean, it's a cliche, but you get back what you put in and you put in mm -hmm. a ton. I mean, all jokes aside, everybody knows Justin he likes to act like a bozo and wear silly shirts and shit, but he knows his stuff. Uh, he really cares about helping everybody as much as he can, particularly less represented. Show the there shirt. You go. Show the shirt. Yeah, there, there it is. is. <laughs> right there. Perfect. There it is. The Michael Fires beard in action on his <laughs> own shirt. But he really, you really are a good dude, and uh, I know that from my own personal experience. So, least we can do is push this damn draft guide. It's cheap. I, I emailed Justin myself, and I paid the seven bucks. No problem. And now look at this. I got all this material. This is really quite cool. I mean, you got endless team breakdowns, positional breakdowns. You talk auction draft values. There's just, I mean, there's so much going on. Yeah. In this and it's only seven bucks. That's a steal for a PDF. And, it, and a PDF is really easily to access. You could be anywhere at any time if you don't have the hard copy. Yeah. And I mean, what I really love is the strategy pieces. You know, there's pretty much a, uh, a strategy uh, article for every single format uh, and it's done by different people. So you kind of get different ideas, uh, maybe, you know, ideas you haven't heard of before, especially if like you're into fan tracks, best ball, Zach Meyer, who does a ton of those best ball leagues wrote a fantastic piece for that. Um, so just, you know, if you've ever thought, well, what is it like to play fan tracks, best ball or, or what, 
how is it in a roto league or points league like you know it's a great you know kind of starter guide for you and i think it pairs really well with a lot of other draft guides out there i'm not the person that says like this is the only draft guide you should get no you should get a lot of information a lot of draft guides and really kind of parse out the information you know joe pizapia does great work in his black book michael simeone's uh his sp streamer uh uh draft guide is fantastic as well so uh, I think it's uh, it's just another added tool in your tool belt. Bingo. Beautiful, Justin. Well said. There's even a section, how to start your own league. Like, it's mm-hmm. not just like it's advanced, but it's also for everybody. So don't feel like if you if you hear this later or watch this later and you're like, wow, I don't know, maybe it's in too in-depth for me. No, no, it's for everyone. So yeah. just remember. And there's even like a stat, you know, like advanced stats for dummies. So like if yeah. you hear like everybody on – like podcasts, like you go listen to like Alex Fast over at Pitcher List, and he starts talking about X Woba and you know you know bacon, and you're like, well, I like bacon, but I don't understand why it's a stat. Like, ah. there's a whole breakdown for you of like what all these mean and how to apply them. So, uh, it's you know it's great for people who are a little bit more advanced, but it's also a good kind of tool to help people that maybe are a little bit behind on catch it up. Booyah! Thank you, Justin. That's very cool. Make sure, everybody, if you... you, Yeah, hey! Me and Deary are here to serve at your pleasure, right, Deary? That's what we do. Yeah, he's the superstar of this pod. I'll hang back. He's a superstar, no matter who you are. All right, well, let's cut the shit, and let's get into Leading Off. Today on Leading Off, we're going to take a look at league strategies. However, I will give you the opportunity since we are live and I wanted this to be more of an evergreen podcast episode, but would you like to comment on any of the recent transactions over the last two days uh, that you think are benefits or hurting other players? Uh, I don't know, Colum or Colton Wong. Uh, you're welcome to say anything you want right now on that. I'll just say I love Wong. I love Wong. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, Colton Wong, a a premium defensive player. Uh, He's actually, I mean, he's going to benefit a lot, I think, from Miller Park. Uh, It's a great place to hit. Uh, It's a team that likes to push it on the base path. So I could easily see like a double-digit homer season with like 20-plus stolen bases and a decent average. He's going extremely late. uh, And, I mean, what he also really does is really helps the pitchers. And I don't think that's being talked enough because he is a premium defensive player. You pair him with... Uh, Orlando Arcia uh, at shortstop, and then uh, Lorenzo Kane come back from the opt-out uh, uh, in center field. And uh, that up-the-middle defense is going to be among the best in the league. So, like, you know, the guys like Josh Hader – or uh, not Josh, sorry, uh, Josh Hader, He's obviously. He's good. But, um, oh, God, now I'm blanking on dude's name. Devin uh, Williams, uh, Brandon Woodruff. Uh, <laughs> Corbin Burns. I mean, those guys will – Ready Peralta. <laughs> Those guys will get, uh, you know, a bump as well. But I'm thinking of the dude who was a fun sleeper last year and then just totally crapped the bed. Adrian Hauser, big oh. ground ball guy, will get a huge benefit from a guy like Wong uh, on the field and that defense, especially up the middle, being so good. So, like, I Hauser sucked, though. He's a guy. I mean, he's a guy who can strike people out and gets a ton of ground balls. And I think. You know, got a bit unlucky last year. I really like Hauser's kind of a real deep sleeper, kind of a bounce back guy this year uh, in that Wong deal. Definitely helps that. Well, that makes me feel good then because I was really a big fan of him last year and he shit the bed and everybody told me he's done. 
I'm like, whoa. No, nah, don't listen to that. Come on. Yeah. A, I mean, it's a bit harsh. Now, now there's no price attached to it. So, like, that's, the, I mean, right now he's going at, uh, since the middle of January, he's going at pick 444 in draft champions league i mean there's no price attached to it so he's a guy you put at the end of your roster in a standard league or you know deep or late in a draft and hold and if he doesn't pan out oh well you you blue pick 440 whatever oh, no! yeah and unlike like Wong's price is going to rise 50 to 80 picks because he was going outside the top 350 um but hauser's price isn't going to go up at all because of this and it should yeah, if you've already drafted Wong in one of your early drafts, I mean, you've got him at a really great price because, like you said, oh, yeah, Justin did it. DiPietro last night said he got him late as well. So uh, you could be reaping some real nice benefits. So I love that projection, Justin. Yeah, and, I mean, even if even if you haven't, like his ADP is going to rise for sure. Like I said, it's going to go up 50 to 80 picks, but it's not going to, like, break your bank because he'll still just be, like, just out. Like, at worst, maybe he's, like, 270. Yeah. And it adds to the depth of second base, which is a lot deeper than I think people give it credit for. Who would rather have, Nick Solak or Colton Wong? Solak, I think. But I think the difference is uh, not as far as it should be in, in what we're going to see in terms of the ADP. And if you're into safety, Wong is going to be much safer. I mean, the, the range of outcomes for Solak is much wider than a guy like Colton Wong and because of, because of Colton Wong's defense especially. He's never going to come off the field. At worst, he's a guy that is like, you know, probably like a 12-12 guy with a 260 batting average, but just racks up hits, runs, RBIs because he's playing every day. Beautiful. Okay, well, I can support that. Uh, I got to tell you, though, we're talking strategy, so let's move into that. League strategies. What is the strategy for a points league? When it comes to points leagues, do you look at a certain area that's most important to you? Because I'm going to cover a couple of different types of leagues here. We want to get your opinion on the strategy. But points. Okay. So let's starting with points. And, I mean, for the first few of these we're going to talk about, I think the first three that you've got on your list, the most important thing before you even start your prep on that is know your league rules. Because points leagues, and this is why – you see a lot of analysts in the industry not want to talk about points leagues or not want to talk about best ball, not want to talk about head to head is because every league is different and every, especially home leagues with points leagues and head to head, everybody has a different rule. Everybody has a different point category. Everybody's playing something a little different. So it becomes very difficult to offer player analysis because, you know, a guy like Colton Wong may be extremely valuable in one format. And then you, you know, Joe Schmo's format over here that he plays with his buddies, he has very, very little value. So, and this <laughs> happens all the time. You know, we go, oh, you know, in points leagues, you want to pound pitching, you want to pound pitching. That's not always the case. There's some points leagues that are clearly, uh, you know, that have been switched to be more hitter friendly, you know, nowadays. And so the first thing I do with a points league is really look at the scoring system. I did this in head-to-head -head tout wars a few years ago. We we did head-to-head -head points league there, and it was a brand new scoring format. And so the first thing I did was I went over to Fangraphs and used the auction calculator. I plugged in all the points values, and I went, okay, hit, you know. And it came up that pitching in that league was three times as valuable as hitting, like wow. insanely like uh, disproportion. The calculator so tells you that. Yeah, it just totally gives you exactly, you know, and you want to adjust it to maybe how if you've been playing with guys for a long time, 
you know, you want to, you want to adjust it yourself. Like, Oh, I know that, you know, this position goes faster or is more expensive in an auction. But what I ended up doing in that tout wars head, head league was something that had never been done before, which was I spent $200 of my $260 budget on pitching. Um, and yeah. had it not been for some unfortunate injuries, I would have I would would have destroyed that entire league. It wouldn't have been close. Uh, I've heard um, that before. Yeah. So it you know, it was this the year like Mac crock of shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so and I mean, you know, like Todd Zoli, even afterwards, he's like, Oh, I think I, I think he won this draft. Like, there's no reason you should lose this draft. Because he looked at the point scoring, you know, the format, and he was like, Oh yeah, everybody should have done this, but nobody else went and ran those numbers in the same way that I did. And so when you're playing a points league, and we'll talk about this again with head-to-head in the basketball, the most important thing is know the format, know the structure, and, and try to figure out the best ways to attack it. I was talking about this with uh, Rob DiPietro the other day on his podcast. I heard that. And, and, you know, there are some people in the industry that are, you know, analytical. They only, They look at the numbers, and that is the most important thing. Some people, it's, you know, I have to watch the player. And I, I look at the numbers, I watch the players, but for me, the most important part of fantasy is the game. It is a game, and the, you have to understand the rules and be able to exploit them to your advantage. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I listened to that episode. It was very good. And you basically were saying that the strategy is the number one thing. Knowing your league's rules is the top priority <laughs> amongst anything else because that's the parameters you're working with. And they vary in size and scope and scale, so it, that is very important, but that's really a rule for all leagues, anyway. It's not just points, right? That's just a universal rule. It is, but I think points leagues tend to vary the most league to league. I mean, a roto league is a roto league, right? There mm-hmm. might be some, like you know, for instance, talent words for their roto leagues, like they've got a weird rule where they've got an extra util position that could be a pitcher or a hitter. You know, some leagues are you know different innings requirements or at bat or plate appearance requirements. Yeah. But for the most part, a roto league is a roto league, right? Um, but in points leagues, every format is just a tad bit different, you know, especially when we're talking about home leagues, which I know a lot of listeners, you know, they have their home league and that's what they want to do. They want to beat their buddies. And so, like, I highly recommend for points leagues, do not go into a draft with somebody else's rankings. Like, don't don't go to the Friends of Fantasy Benefits guy. Don't go to... Uh, fan graphs or rotor wire and just print someone's points league rankings and enter your draft that way. That is the worst thing you can do. <laughs> it is much better to use some sort of software that tells you how much each person is worth. And then if you want to adjust it from there, okay, I'm a little bit higher, you know, on Tyler glass now than maybe this says, or I'm a little bit higher on Andrew Heaney, or I'm a little bit, you know, lower on Mike trout or whatever. Um, then you can adjust, but don't just take someone's points league ranking because the chances that it actually applies to your individual points league is zero to none. Don't just turn on MLB's The Shredder and say, oh, this is the top second baseman. I'm taking him when they have MLB's at number 10. Yeah, uh, it, It's amazing how so many people, like especially with so many options now for leagues with best ball, points. Obviously, a lot of people start out with head-to-head. You have your roto. that people will play in several different leagues, but they will have the same rankings for each one of their leagues. It's something that you absolutely cannot do. I'm hoping to play in a lot of different types of this league. So I, this is the first year where I'm going to have to change up my strategy because I've been strictly the same few leagues the last few years. So this is great information. Yeah, that's true. But best ball wise though, I only want to know, do you focus on streaky players more than you would in others or not? Yes and no. 
um, you know, here's the th- with best ball. I like to, you know, you're going to want to draft multiple players per position, right? So I like to have one guy that maybe is a little bit streaky and, you know, has really big upside, maybe some downside, but I also want to draft a lot of steady eddies because the last thing you want to do is draft too many streaky players, especially at the same position. And then all of a sudden you take a zero or negative points for a week. Yeah. Well, not universal, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I would think maybe more than other leagues, there seemed to be a tendency to get a streaky guy who could really bump you up in a given period. For sure. I, and I think, you know, like a guy like Alberto Mondesi gets kind of crapped on, you know, uh, for, for points leagues or for basketball. I love a guy like that because he's going to fall. And there's a chance that he could have like two hot months or three hot yeah. months. And, like, really just bust your team up. Um, and, and if so, steals are worth a lot, too. Like, if they're worth three or four points or more, that's going to be a huge advantage to you, even if he doesn't walk much. Yeah, especially, like, yeah, if you're playing in, like, the NFBC best ball leagues, like, where where it's it's set up to be more like Roto than a traditional best ball league. Yeah. You know, a guy like Mondesi has, like, a huge amount of value. Um, and, yeah, I, I will take a few more chances. I'll take less chances on the injury risk, guys because you just don't want guys missing time, you know, because you don't oh. – in mo- most best ball leagues, you don't have a period to pick up guys, right? So yeah. you take too many injury risks, and then all of a sudden you don't have enough pitchers to, like, fill out your active lineup each week, and that's that's a real problem. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely am less injury risk, uh, you know, uh, prone in those kind of drafts as opposed to, like, maybe a regular league where I can drop and pick up guys. Makes sense. Uh, that does make sense. You're listening to the Palazzo Podcast. That's right. Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're talking with Justin Mason from Friends with Fantasy Benefits. Get the draft guide. Do it now. Don't regret. Don't feel bad. Don't go down the road and be like, shit, I should have got that draft guide. Make the purchase now. Do it. It's only helping yourself. <laughs> Anyways, um, what about head-to-head? What is the key factor to a head-to-head league? Regardless, of, I mean, if it's cats or points, maybe there are slight adjustments, but how do you feel about that? I mean, it's a lot of what I said in the points league, and that okay. is whether or not it's categories or points, it's knowing the format and really figuring out a strategy that you can exploit the format. So, like, especially okay. in head-to-head categories, often people – are like, well, I want to get some, you know, I want to get players that spread out through all the categories. It's a lot easier to punt in a head-to-head categories league. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm totally down with, you know, a Carlos Marmol plan, which is, you know, punting on like strikeouts and wins <laughs> and just loading up on the ratios and saves. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Didn't the guy who came up with that, isn't he like no longer cool anymore? Yeah, let, let's not talk about that. Let's oh, talk okay, about all right. But <laughs> it's it's still a viable strategy or like, you know, you can do like, you know, punt saves. You can punt. Uh, I mean, you can pretty much punt anything. I love to punt a batting average, even in Roto league. So I'm always down to punt batting average, but uh, know your league is a huge thing for all of these categories. If you, if you're playing with guys you've played with before or can get information on uh, making sure you kind of know what their draft tendencies are, and kind of trying to exploit them. If you know guys, oh, oh, this guy's always going to take Yankees. Okay, well, in an auction, I'm going to throw out those Yankees. Or uh, if I want, if I want a certain Yankee, I may have to pop on him around early uh, just to make sure I get him. So, uh, and or you know, talk them up at the draft table. I'm 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 all about table talk, especially when you're when you're <gasps> drafting people you know. So, uh, not cool, know. dude. 
Anything, <laughs> anything you can do to gain an advantage on your competition, I'm here for. Okay. Justin, I got, I got a question. Justin, yeah. doesn't matter what league you're in at all, but when you are drafting, do you pay attention to what the other teams are doing, how they're building their squads, what Absolutely. they could be missing, and mm-hmm. then do you try to exploit that and take advantage of it? Because it's something that I think a lot of people miss out on doing is paying attention to how other teams' rosters are being constructed, and some people just wait till the end of the draft to look to see how they've constructed the rosters. Do you try to take advantage of that when you're within the draft? Absolutely. I, no matter what draft I'm in, um, like, you know, I play, I've been playing a lot of NFBC lately. And so NFBC has a little like, you know, tab you can open up that has the roster construction of every team. And I'm making sure that's more important than the actual draft board to me is seeing like how people are filling their team. Because, you know, if you're like, let's say you're picking at pick four or five, which I was doing recently in an FBC league, like the guys who are pitching, you know, picking one, two, three, and four, if I notice they've already got all their catcher slots filled out or, you know, middle infield slots, I know with that first pick, I don't have to worry about taking a catcher or a middle infielder. I can load up on a position they're more likely to take, you know, and it gives you a better idea of where you can take some, you know, calculated risks on, can I wait another round or half a round to fill this position or this need if mm-hmm. the other teams have already loaded up on it? So it's like super, super important, especially in an auction format oh, yeah. when, you know, you're, you know, you're getting to kind of, there's always a soft spot in an auction. You know, sometimes it's the beginning, sometimes it's the middle, sometimes it's the end, but you know, when it's, you know, when it's there and you go, okay, what does everybody need? Or, you know, everybody's starting to, you know, freak out because the auction's coming to an end and people have too much money. Where can I soak up the most money? Okay. Oh, uh, three teams need a closer and this, you know, there's two closers left. Well, here you go, go, go fight over it. Um, you know, or, uh, okay, you know, there's, I need a second baseman and no other team does. Okay. This guy's going to go for really cheap. I can yeah. just wait on this and, and know that I, and he's going to be mine for a cheap price. So it's super important to pay attention to what the competition is doing. And I think often, especially in snake drafts, people get so just absorbed in their own team and what they're doing. They forget to pay attention to what everybody else is doing. You hear that, people? Damn. Listen to the master. He knows. Pay attention to other teams. Damn, Skippy, that's the truth. Well, there it is. That's pretty much it. Uh, you know, Roto, I think Roto speaks for itself mostly, and we don't need to go into great detail on that. You know, you're trying to focus more a little bit on steals because or would you rather punt a couple categories? Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, here's the thing. It, it really depends on your, you know, like where you're playing. If you're playing with, like let's say you're playing NFBC and there's an overall component. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm much less likely to punt a category. It just oh, if you're playing for an overall yeah. championship, yeah, that's a different story. Yeah. Okay, but I love punting categories in standalone leagues. Um, I do it all the time, and I do it in categories that people aren't expecting. Because usually, okay. when we talk about punting categories, we're talking about punting saves, right? So, and I'm not a big punt saves guy unless the, unless I'm in a league where saves get overblown. Um, you know, if you start seeing wow. you start seeing closers go for. 30 bucks, then okay, yeah, and then I might punt saves. But I, I prefer to like punt batting average. Yeah. Um, and what I've also done is double punts. So punt two categories that are closely related. Now it leaves you very little margin for error. Double punt. Yeah. It's, it's, so, <laughs> so what you do is you punt two, two categories that are closely related, you know, and typically this is done with power. So you punt, pow- you punt home runs, RBIs, two categories that people pay a lot for. And then you attempt to win all eight other categories. 
it's difficult to do, but power is a lot easier thing to trade for in season. Mm. And so it can be done, uh, especially okay. if you've got an active trading league um, or you just have to win all the other categories, which is, you know, there's a there's a little bit um, of a little room for error in that regard. You know, you have one pitching injury and you're kind of screwed. So uh, I like punting, but there's also a lot that can blow up your face with it. I got a whole punting article in the draft guide that I wrote. Hell yeah. Another reason to get the Fans with Fantasy Benefits draft guide. Uh, Dave Petrucci is watching live on our live stream. By the way, if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. But we also do live streams on occasion, and this is one of them. He says, punting saves. Guilty. For the record, it never worked for me. Sorry, Mm -hmm. Dave. Really sorry for your loss. The reason why it rarely works for people is because the idea is, oh, okay, I can punt saves at the draft table or at the auction table, and I can get them in season. Or... Mm -hmm. You know, I can just spec on guys late. The problem is everybody, even if you drafted all the closers, you're still specking in season on save guys. And so there's still the competition there for, for you know, off the waiver wire. And so it becomes really difficult to nail those guys. I, I prefer, I'm not a don't pay for saves guy. You know, the old Matthew Barry adage, like don't pay for saves. People yeah. forget that he, he was talking about ESPN 10 team leagues. Yeah, in an ESPN 10 team league, you don't pay for saves. But in anything deeper than that, you should be paying something for them. Okay. Well, that makes sense to me, and I'm not even that smart. So thank you, Justin. Well, there it is. A little breakdown on some of the strategies for varying league types. Like he said, the most important thing is focus on your league rules. Know your league settings, like inside and out. Memorize them. Cherish them. And even I have to do a better job of that. I freely admit it. Uh, real quick, I want to do some housekeeping here. We always like to thank everybody who participates and connects with us on the show. I know I've said it before, but, you know, Armchair Roto, our guy Russell, he's so friendly to the show. Russell Withers, he keeps making these awesome gifts of Master and Commander. It's so dumb, but it's so funny, and they never get old. I love it. Thank you, Russell. We really appreciate that. Also, thanks to Yancey for some solid feedback and advice. Yancey Eaton. Everybody loves Yancey, right, Justin? He's the man. I love Yancey. See? It's obvious. It's a no-brainer. Uh, Deary, when you get to meet Yancey, finally, you're going to love it. Trust me. He's a great dude. And uh, shout-out to everybody else who's been participating and connecting with us we really appreciate it all the episodes rob v pietro ariel cone everybody's come on the show this week justin uh, tomorrow we're gonna have on paul spore your partner in crime first time first time we've ever had him this is a new experience for us so we're gonna be we're gonna be really excited about that one not that you're not great justin but you know we got a nice experience. we got a nice mid-afternoon with paul tomorrow it's gonna be great i got the day off of work i'm gonna be sitting at home and uh being super excited to have paul on this is gonna be fantastic Paul's a great dude. He's, I mean, just one of the easiest people to talk to in the industry. Uh, you know, I credit a lot of my success in the industry to Paul, who's really done a lot for me. Uh, super tall guy, so, you know, he does has that going against him. Uh-oh, but, I didn't uh, know that. Whoa, 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 whoa. You must be under six foot. Oh, he, I mean, dude, dudes, you didn't realize he's like 6'10", 6'11". I only see his face. What? Oh, yeah, he's massive. Holy shit, really? 6'10"? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll send you a picture of him and me and, and him next to each other at, at Tout Wars. Uh, and wow. I'm, I'm, I'm 5'10". Like, so I'm like, you yeah, know, you're normal size. I'm average height. <laughs> and everybody thinks I'm super short because I stand next to Jason and Paul. And Jason's like 6'7", and Paul's like 6'11". Holy and I shit. look like some sort of miniature person. And it's, no, they're just giants. You are fake news. I don't believe it. 
I it's, refuse to believe it's, that. It's true. It is. Wow. I've never seen them below chest. So, okay, wow. That is like, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm going to text, text you a picture after the podcast and you'll see. Okay. It's going to be the background tomorrow he's on the He's super pod. skinny. He's like, he's like a yeah. buck 50. At, he's like, he's built like Chris Sale. He says he's built like wow. Taylor Swift. But, um, <laughs> he's I mean, he's extremely tall and, and extremely thin. Like the nicest guy in the world. But yeah, you have to be careful on a windy day with him. Oh, shit. Okay, well, he is a Tigers fan, too, which we dig. We like that mm -hmm. a lot. So we're going to talk about our beloved Tigers a bit when we have him on. But enough about Paul Spore. This is about Justin Mason. And now it's time for Enrico's Inquisition. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, <laughs> Van Halen. Not Ooh. a contest. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has more <laughs> positive things going for him. He is a good pitcher. Oh, oh, Nelly, get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> it's funny on the live stream while that thing's playing. We're just sitting here like, okay. Anyways, it's time. I'm excited about this one because Justin's a pretty honest dude. He's going to tell it to you straight. No bullshit. And that's what we're looking for here on this show. So without further ado, put on some music and get in the mood and settle in here. I am ready. All right. First things first. You know, I've wondered about this for a long time, but I have to know. Do you prefer punk rock or hardcore? Um, I'm probably like the worst possible person you could ask a question like that to because I'm not a real music guy. <laughs> um, so it's definitely I mean, it's definitely punk rock for me if I'm going to choose one and it, it leans more towards actually grunge. Uh, you know, I was like a, I was a, I was a Nirvana fan and a Soundgarden fan and stuff like that. Uh, but I really don't listen to a lot of music That's because so I'm mostly watching baseball in my free time or listening to podcasts and so uh like i'm i'm like a super bland lame person when it comes to music when everybody whenever people are talking about music on twitter like i'm uh i'm like oh great i guess i'll just scroll right past that one uh my <laughs> wife is a way has way better musical taste than i do it's take me out to the ball game or john fogarty's center field for justin yeah, mason and that's about sure. it yeah, don't no, forget about Terry Cashman. We're talking baseball. So. Yeah, I'm I'm totally lame when it comes to music. Shit. Well, that one blew up in my face. All right, well, <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, I got bogus information. Sometimes you do research and it doesn't come through, and I'm going to take responsibility for that and move forward. How about this? Uh, let's switch gears over to: Would you rather play a game or watch a game? Oh, I mean, are we talking baseball or just in general? You can interpret it as you please. Um, I mean, if it's baseball, it's probably watch a game. Uh, because I just I just love watching people do it at a high level. Did you ever play in a sportsman like other sports? Oh yeah, younger, I, I was a huge football guy. I played I played baseball when I was really young, but as soon as uh, I was introduced to lacrosse, baseball kind of went out the window because I like the violence and uh, the hitting that go along with with lacrosse and football. Uh, played a lot of basketball growing up and uh, did track and field. I, I I was a pretty good athlete. Um, you know, uh, until my body could not handle the kind of the beating up of it. So, 
Uh, yeah. So, so but, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, football, like, I love watching football. But if you give me a football game to play in, especially a tackle one, I'll, I'll do that all day. I used to play uh, uh, football weekly, even as an adult, with, like, friends and stuff until about till about four or five years ago when my kids got old enough where it's like, I can't, like, just leave my wife for four hours to go play mud football. Dude, that's awesome. I I was doing the same thing. I went to college late, and my senior year, I turned oh, 30. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember you are in that football? Yeah. I used to play tackle fucking football over there on the— uh, In your late 20s? <laughs> I was 29 years old, and I was I, that's when I tore my uh, tendon here, this thumb tendon. I was That was awful. That really is an important tendon right here. Let me tell you that. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, Mike, football. and you were there when I blew up my knee playing flag, so— Oh, exactly right. Yeah, he tore his ACL playing flag football. It happens. It really does. You're like uh, Robert Edwards. Remember him, the Patriots running back who was blew Super it out Bowl at week? like the Hula Bowl or whatever. Yeah, it was like Super Bowl <laughs> week, and he's doing like one of those yeah. flag football charity events, and he just destroyed his leg. It's awful. Very sad. Uh, khakis or jeans? Uh, I'm definitely a jeans kind of guy. I do not. My wife is really, really worked hard to try to get me to dress like an adult and word aware has made that impossible because now i just have pictures of my face on all my shirts um yeah no I, i'm definitely it, it takes a lot for me to want to get dressed up ever uh and so yeah i'm definitely a jeans guy do you own a pair of khakis just i do i do own a pair of khakis i mean i've got work pants and things like that but is it, it true you own a blue tuxedo i own a blue tuxedo onesie it is okay. not an actual blue tuxedo. It was not described to me that way. That was no, not how I was it, told. So it's my bedroom wear. So when I was, uh, you know, I kind of, I have a troubled youth and stuff like that. And um, I, uh, when I was 15, I moved in with second cousins of mine. And uh, and the guy who, the second cousin of mine who I moved into, who I now call my dad, um, he, when he got married, he got married in a blue tuxedo. Um, back in the 80s when those were popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. Powder so, bluish? Yeah, yeah. So a few years back, we decided to recreate his wedding photo with me and my wife. And I went out and bought a blue tuxedo onesie to wear for it. And so, yes, there are pictures of me wearing it on Twitter. Uh, and uh, every once in a while, I will break it out for formal occasions. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I uh, saw that for the TGFBI announcement. That's what your wife wanted to do. It was the. Yeah. I don't know that that's actually going to happen just because we did the math on it. And with 29 leagues, if it took five minutes to, at, at minimum, to do it, we're talking about like a two and a half hour event. Of me just reading names. So I don't know. <laughs> We've been trying to figure out a better way to do this, that uh, we could do some sort of fun announcement. But it may not work out just because there it, there's so many leagues this year. We're talking, you know, 29, 15-man leagues. Uh, and I don't know that people want to watch me just reading names in a blue tuxedo onesie for two and a half hours. <laughs> okay. It's not your fault. Well, look, I think uh... – I'm excited for it. It's my second year. Deary's first year. He signed up. He's very excited. So, I'm excited to have the invite. I can't yes. wait to see how it ends. It, hey, trust me. I told Deary this already. For those that are first-time TGFBI players, if it's your first time ever and you're not familiar with NFBC's interface, take the time to get used to it before the damn league starts. Trust me on this. I implore you. I know what I'm talking about because it fucked me all up, screwed me all up, and I was behind the eight ball from the start, and I, I'm not blaming my 
you know, I drafted who I drafted, so I'll live with that. But I'm, you know, the fab, how that ran and how that worked. Mm-hmm. I wasn't used to the. I had never played in a league, Justin, where you did the semi-weekly roster updates. It's, it's never a different format, and it's important. Again, this is one of the things we we're talking about. You know your rules, and because those those Friday switchouts for hitters is important, and you can gain some room and lose some room if you're not doing it. Um, you know, in the standings, and so it's something that my first year was very difficult for me. It's like, oh, why do I need to even do that? But it's important. It's important to look who your hitters are going up against. Like, you know, do, you, do they have two lefties this week and maybe they're not going to play? Or, uh, you know, are, are they playing, you know, the back half of their week in Coors? Oh, I'm going to switch them in or, you know, switch them out if their front week was in Coors or something like that. So it's, it's right. important. I, I'm going to do something just for you guys because this is Deary's first league in TG, or year in TGFBI. I'll give you one person in each one of your leagues. So I'll give you a preview. And it's, oh! it'll, be, it'll, it'll be random, okay? okay. So, so, Chris, you got to go first. Pick a number 1 through 15, and I will tell you who that person is in your league. Nine. Nine. Joel Hennard from the Fantasy Insider Show. Okay. All You're right. going to be going up against him. All right. Sounds good. That's cool, right. man. That's fun. Right. Um, how about uh, number... Two. Number two. Oh, his name is Drew Klein. He won a satellite league to get in last year. Hey! Well done, Drew Klein. Happy to have you aboard. I'm looking forward to going toe-to-toe with you, mother. No, I won't call <laughs> you that. So, so the rest, the leagues will should be out tomorrow. So I'm going to... Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to announce them all tomorrow. Ooh, so okay. we're waiting with bated breath. Yeah, everybody get ready. And I'm going to be, be, be on Twitter... Uh, or check the Friends of Fantasy Benefits website, and uh, you'll you'll get to, or sorry, not the Friends of Fantasy Benefits, the TGFBI website. Yeah, um, so many websites, so much, yeah, you have so much going on. Yeah. Oh, it's like Christmas Eve right now. Mm-hmm. You get a little, getting your a little excited here. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. Wow, great. Yeah, thanks so, so if much. you're watching the live stream right now, you get a little bit of a preview. Congratulations, you eleven people, uh, ten people now. Sorry. Anyways, Justin. How do you determine the league structures? You just do it at random, no matter what, or do you try to mix in some people you think might be interesting that'll go head to head? Um, it, it is somewhat random. However, there there is a little bit of me placing people in certain leagues. One, uh, there's so many people from some sites. Like for instance, like Pitcher List has like 45 competitors, and if I just completely randomized it, there'd end up being a league with 10 members of Pitcher's List. Like, and like, so like, I don't want that. Um, And I don't want co-hosts like a podcast or people who work really closely in the same league. I want collusion. It's not so much collusion because there's no trades or anything like that, but it's, it's a matter of, I don't want you to know how, how these, you know, everybody's going to play. Yeah. I I also want to branch out and meet other people too. And that's part of it. And so I want people who don't know each other to go up against each other. I want, you know, uh, there to be a little bit more of an unknown that you don't know exactly everybody's strategy in your league. I also want to make sure that each league has a big name or two in it. So, cause I don't want there to be a league where, you know, the most amount of Twitter followers from one person's 500. So I try to put a heavy hitter, a guy from ESPN, a guy from Yahoo, you know, a guy from CBS, something like that in every league so that way each league is being talked about at a high level and gives everybody attention i respect that that's cool 
That's how it should be done. And Justin is always full of integrity. Regardless of how silly he may look on occasion, there is integrity in this process. So Yeah, my, my league is always stacked. It's, uh, I, I don't, like people sometimes like, well, I bet you give yourself an easy league. And uh, oh. no, I, uh, in, in this league, the, this year, the league I've got, like, I'm actually kind of sweating it a little bit. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have put <laughs> these guys in the league with me. But I like the challenge. Punish yourself. And, yeah. Flagellate yourself. There was there, the the problem is I gave I give people an opportunity to call out other people. So I'll throw it out on Twitter and be like, "Hey, call your shot. If you want someone, call it, and I'll see if I can accommodate it." Um, and so someone said, "Oh, well, I want to be in your league," and then someone, you know, messaged me. They were like, "Oh, I want to be in his league." So it's like, <laughs> "Well, great. Now I've got." all of these guys in my league this, this is going to be fun but uh so it should, should be a lot of fun though i can't wait to see it tomorrow it's gonna be awesome i'm looking forward to that all right uh oral sex or doing a fresh draft oh it's it's obviously oral sex with my wife who's like you know the the, the light of my life of course it would never be a draft never no no, no. no. Never. I didn't think because so, a actually. draft only makes you happy for a few hours. Oral sex can make you happy for the rest of your life if you do it well. You also <laughs> only dra- you also only draft once a year. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Wow. Well, that's all right. All right I can live with that. Right. <laughs> uh, Someone's going to be tagging my wife here pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, pictures that you can hold. Or digital pictures? Do you prefer a digital frame or a good old-fashioned photo in a frame? I think it's a, the old-fashioned photo in a frame. There's something I like about the tangibleness. And, I, you know, here's the thing. Like, uh, I think it's really cool to grow up and, and really raise kids, for me, in an age in which, like, there's Facebook and Instagram and all this because, like, uh, you know, I have no pictures from my childhood of myself, you know, or very few because I moved around a lot. Like I said, I had a troubled youth and stuff like that. And so a lot of them have just been lost to time and cross country moves or, you know, moves, uh, you know, around the world and stuff like that. So uh, there is something really cool about, like I started a Facebook account for each one of my kids on the day they were born. And so oh. every picture that someone has taken them has tagged it, and they'll have that as an adult. Wow. But I do think there's something cool about having the hard copy because we don't print out pictures anymore because they're on Instagram, because they're on Facebook, because they're, you know, because they can be texted. We like we don't print these things out anymore. Uh, and I do kind of miss that. Wow. Yeah. By the way, one of my former students is watching us live. There he is. Joe. Hey, Joe. Joe. Good to see you, man. Joe loves sports. He loves the Detroit Lions, which is very sad. Because he's like a diehard Lions fan, it's it's tough. It's not he's a good young. life. He he doesn't know better yet. No, but yeah. he's a little older now. He's like in his early twenties. I mean, he should. Ha- Joe, you got to get out of that world, man. Do f- I can implore you now? <laughs> That's this- an abusive relationship. It is. It's oh, yeah. I don't I don't care if they traded Stafford or if they got a new GM or a new coach. It'll just always be the same. And Joe, I want you to live a full, happy, fulfilled <laughs> life. So, I'm I'm a Washington football fan. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. Yeah, but that's so better than being a Lions fan. Yeah, they've won championships. Yeah. yeah. Three? Yeah. Three Super Bowls. Yeah, they have won. But I don't remember any of them. Oh, I re- and I'm, I'm 36. And, I, like, I yeah. mean, I have, like, little memories of that last one. 
But for the more, most part, like I remember Norv Turner days, and I, you know, <laughs> or Gus Farratt running his head into the effing wall. Like, you know, yeah, those yeah, are the highlights of my fanship. You know, RG three <laughs> crumpled on the on the turf in Seattle. Yeah. You know, so it, it's been a rough road, though. I mean, nothing still is better than being a Lions yeah. fan, though. Still better, still better. Yeah, Lions yep. and Lions and Browns, man. I feel for you guys. There you go. Yeah, but I will say this. I always think of the Washington team because they did smoke us in that playoff game. Our last and really the truly only great Detroit Lions experience in the playoffs was put to bed by your football team that you hardly remember. Mark Rippon and all those guys. Yeah, we we were 11. We were 11, but I, we it's were, been 29 years since our last playoff victory. Yeah, it was early wow. 92. Washington smoked them like 41 to 10 in the NFC title game. But hey, anyways, those were some fun days. I wonder what we were all doing in January of 1992. Anyways, I got a couple more for you. What about this? Sliders or curveballs? Mm. There's something beautiful about a curveball thrown, right? I mean, it it, it just is. There's something that, like, I know slider can be a really devastating pitch, but there is something about a curveball, especially like a 12 to 6, when it comes down and just freezes a hitter, that is beautiful. Like, Barry Zito in his prime was just so much fun to watch uh just how he just fooled hitters uh, second and, time second time yeah. we've heard barry zito's name in back-to-back episodes by the way because literally that's what rob DiPietro said on the last yeah. show yeah he threw it at the sky and it would just drop right down like it just it seems like one of those pitches that should be so easy to hit and it just comes in and it's like 77 miles an hour and you just it just made you look silly um, what, was, what was the worst contract? Mike Hampton's with the Rockies or Barry Zito's? Oh, and Mike Hampton was way worse than Barry Zito's. Yeah. Did the Giants get what they needed out of Barry Zito? No. Or what they paid for necessarily? No. But they got a lot. He delivered 200 inning seasons for them, um, you know, really helped kind of bridge the gap between like the bad Giants teams and those really, really good Giants teams. And, uh, you know, ate a lot of innings in those World Series years that helped, you know, their bullpen stay fresh for, for the playoff run. So like Barry Zito, like I know he didn't, he didn't do what they paid him to do necessarily, but he had a lot of value ended up winning a few world series with us. And I, I'll forever be indebted to him. Yeah. That, it was unfair. I mean, yeah, he won, you won the ship. That's all, all that matters. Yeah. Right. He won two world series and he was a part of both of those. So mm-hmm. Mike Hampton, that was a disaster. Anyways, I was just trying to, you know, goad you, you know, bust no. your chops a little bit. No. Ha, 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 I, and he can sing. Have you heard him sing? No, I haven't. The Barry oh. Zito show. Oh, go go listen to Barry Zito sing. He was on the, I think the most recent, or uh, a couple seasons ago, The Masked Singer. Made it like almost <laughs> to the end. Um, what? He's, actually, what? He's, got, he's got a really sweet singing voice. Go Go listen to him. What? Barry oh. Zito's on The Masked Singer singing? What mm-hmm. the hell's going on in this world? I have lost touch with reality. I really have. <laughs> Shit, that's fucked up. Uh, okay. Oh, well, we could talk about more of this stuff forever, but I want to talk about other fantasy stuff. So let's get it down to the heart of it. For love or money, Justin? Um, Love, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean... Like, you know, I was, telling, I was telling my daughter the other day, I was like, money is not the most important thing in life. But damn, does it make life a little bit easier. Like, people say you can't buy happiness, but what's the old, uh, I think it's an old Dane Cook joke. Have you ever seen anybody, uh, like, frowning when they're on a jet ski? And money can buy a jet ski. 
like you know um so but i mean love i mean i've been rich and i've been poor in my life sure you know money can come and go but like love of family love of a good woman uh you know like that stuff that is way, way more important than 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 money and there you have it folks another victory for love so beautiful thank you very much for sharing openly honestly and candidly here on the hey it's rico palazzo fantasy baseball podcast part of the roto fanatic podcast network by the way which also includes the turn two podcast with matt williams and you can go to roto fanatic right now and check out our latest and greatest there's an article that i did with paul bamino where we both went head to head on vladimir guerrero jr i took the high he took the low he's not a fan i'm down for 2021 Go read about why we think that. And then get the Data Monsters opinion, which is also a great tool we would love for you guys to check out. What's your opinion on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in 2021, Justin? I mean, he's still so young, so I'm never going to write him off. And I mean, the tools are super loud. I don't know that I'm willing to pay the price that is attached this year because I feel like we're still paying for the prospect hype, and we just haven't seen it. Uh, This, in many ways feels like i'm not saying it's going to be because gregory polanco ended up having real injury issues but remember like every year gregory polanco would lose a bunch of weight be in great shape and everybody go effing crazy and i know it happened because i did it too um (laughs) this is what it feels like it's like oh dude look he lost a bunch of weight oh look at great shape he is well is that really going to help him lift the ball and and not have a 50 plus percent ground ball right it might but it hasn't been proven out yet and uh, so I, I think I need to see it before I'm willing to pay. If he comes in this year and is a monster, I'll be right with you guys next year, but I'm not paying the price this year. Okay. Well, there it is directly from his mouth. Justin Mason has spoken. All right, let's switch gears. As they say, move into the fantasy portion, a little more in depth. Let's talk about some ADP conundrums. These are the difficult decisions. Do we draft Ryan Presley or not? Uh, you know, I'll leave that to you, Justin. But hey, let's dive into our first ADP conundrum. Alec Baum versus Matt Chapman. Would you rather have one or the other, and you can make it league dependent if you want, or would you rather have a third option? Um, I mean, I like both guys. So, I mean, I, honestly, in a draft, I'll take either. I prefer Alec Baum because I think the batting average upside uh, and what we saw last year when he hit 338. uh is uh is much greater but i mean give me either of these guys especially chapman like is a guy that i think people are sleeping on a little bit i think the power is going to be fine you know he's going to play every day because he's an elite defender but bombs with the the extra eligibility at first base a batting average upside i'm going to lean him deary yeah the big difference between the two is the fact that Mm -hmm. bomb will probably be more of a 280 type hitter and Chapman's going to be closer to 250. Uh, I'm interested, interested to see. I, I actually think some of the projections on Bomb's power numbers might be a little conservative. He's going to bat probably second for the Phillies. I actually think he has the opportunity to hit 250 this year and he's not going to strike out as much as Chapman, but like just like what Justin said, I think you're happy with both guys. I think Chapman has an outside shot to be an MVP candidate. Uh, he did have some issues with, uh, wow. you know, some off-speed stuff. Uh, That's a bold he, statement, dude. But, MVP candidate, possibly. But he does absolutely murder fastballs. 
so I will probably go towards Chapman just because he had a little bit more of a track record. But I think Bomb is a super huge riser, and I think this time next year he could be in the top five of fantasy third baseman. Shit. Deary, that's uh, one of the boldest things you've said on the show in recent memory. I'm serious. Hey, I'm that's... going for bold takes the rest of the way out until the season starts. And if Good. I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, fuck it. I don't think yeah. it's that bold, actually. I mean, he's such a premium defender that his defense alone are get him some MVP votes. So if he puts together a monster season, maybe gets lucky in the Babbitt department and hits like 270 with 30 home runs, like that could be an MVP candidate, especially in a place like Oakland where he may have to carry that team. Yeah, okay. I think he's going to go 35, 90, 90. And like you said, if that <laughs> if that if that BA could be a little higher than the 250, I mean, I think he's in the mix. I think he'll get some votes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, hey, now we're cooking here, baby. How about this one? Miguel Sano, Christian Walker. Would you rather have one or the other or a third option, Mr. Mason? Mm, I mean, I've always been a Miguel Sano guy. Uh Christian Walker, like he's a guy that I've kind of just ignored often. Me too. Uh, and, but he hits the crap out of the ball. People like that. And he does. And and so like I'm starting to warm up to him a little bit. I love Snow because like with a little bit of Babip luck, like he could be just a monster. And then if you're playing an on base percentage leagues, you know, he walks and kind of upsets. Yeah, that. I was just gonna ask you, what else does Snow give you besides home runs? Yeah, those home runs are so pretty though. Like he could hit. Oh, 50. they are, but Power, you know how easy power is to access. That's the thing. So. That's true. Um, yeah. What's the third option? You got a third option for me? Oh, if I had a third option, I'm looking at first base, and it's between these guys, or I could wait later in the draft. What about Josh Bell? Is that crazy? Around the same kind of area? I like I, Josh Bell a lot. I know you're a Josh Bell stan, and uh, I'm I'm maybe not as high on Josh Bell as you are, but I really like his situation now being in Washington. That park's going to play a lot nicer that, uh, for him. Uh, then Pittsburgh, middle of a really good lineup. You know, it, what about Nate Lowe? Uh, no, I do not want to have anything to do with Nate Lowe. <laughs> oh, um, shit. Why not? A lot of people, a lot of people, you know, I'm actually surprised Nate Lowe's ADP hasn't climbed uh, to the extent because there are a lot of like big Nate Lowe guys, like the free Nate Lowe bandwagon, right? <laughs> uh, Nate, Nate Lowe, like, there's a reason he wasn't playing. It's because he has a super long swing, which creates a lot of holes. Uh, and I think he's going to get overexposed with more playing time. Now, he's still young. He can make adjustments, and maybe he will. But from what we've seen so far in Tampa Bay, like that, he's going to have a 30-plus percent strikeout rate, and he could get platooned. I, I'm, not, I'm not on the Nate Lowe bandwagon. Well, we got breaking news. Mrs. Salinger is here. She's here for the bold takes and the cussing. She missed Fucking me picking, right you are. Yeah, she missed me picking love over money and yeah, talking about blowjobs. Yeah, kind of lingus <laughs> over a draft. Damn it! Well, I guess Danielle, you just have to go back and listen to this later. But uh, good to have you aboard, my dear. Always a pleasure. Uh, we're talking fantasy baseball, so I know you're going to stick around. You came right for the best part of the show, Danielle. We're knee deep in fantasy baseball minutia. <laughs> Woohoo! But yeah, all kidding aside, uh, I'm not as big on Nate Lowe. I'm mildly optimistic it's a new situation. If he gets playing time, I would like to see a full season play out. But, yeah, even the Josh Bell hype, I know I've, I've pretty much cornered myself with this Josh Bell No, I'm stand. with you. Don't worry. I'm with you. Oh, you're with me. Well, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm with that's... you. I hated him last year. I'm, I'm, I'm with you this year. I had him number 10 as uh, my number 10 first baseman this year. So, But Robbie Pietro is a smart it. guy. He kind of freaked me out in the last show. He said, you know, Josh yeah, Bell's swing is so inconsistent, and he hits the ball on the ground so often. And he said the big difference was that – 
between him and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who obviously everyone talks about the ground balls, hitting it really hard but into the ground, he thinks it's fixable where he doesn't see Bell being able to replicate his mechanics on a repeated basis. And that freaked me out a bit. So I'm officially waving a, a caution flag right now on my Josh Bell love. I am a little more concerned now. I'm not super concerned. I mean, I don't know that we're going to see that hot two months over the course of a full season. Yeah. But I, I, he is a guy that can get hot, and that could buoy up the rest of his season. So, like, Bell's a guy I'd be much more interested in a Roto League than, like, a head-to-head format where okay. the, you know, the hot two months may sink you in the playoffs if, if they came earlier. Uh, so, but, yeah, in a, in a Roto, I think he's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be a star or anything. But pick 151 where he's going – since the middle of January, like that seems fine to me. Yeah, you're okay. batting behind Juan Soto and Trey Turner. Like your, your yeah. opportunities, this is going to have so many opportunities. Yeah. He's going to rack up a lot of RBIs. Well, I and loved I'm, his ADP a couple, you know, a month or so ago when it was like 180. I was loving that. Now I'm, I'm just obviously when a guy rises, it sucks, especially if you're targeting mm-hmm. him, but it's not the end of the world. One more for you Jordan Montgomery versus Drew Smiley, who signed a one year, $11 million deal with the Atlanta Braves. Still blows me and Deary's mind because we're Tigers fans. We watched Drew Smiley be trash uh, and watch his career never really materialize. However, it's 2021 and he's still getting real deals. Would you rather have one or the other or a third option for a starter? Because this is deeper in the draft as well. Yeah, a third option for sure. I, I don't want either of these guys on my fantasy team. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that... I mean, like Jordan Montgomery, like I understand like people are excited about him, but there's a real chance he's not in the rotation this entire season. They've... He hasn't been healthy since 2017. Yeah, I mean, and he hasn't been good when he has been healthy. So it's like, <laughs> why, like, why are we doing this to ourselves? You know, they've got Domingo Herman coming back. They've got Luis Severino is going to be coming back mid-season. He also uh, pitches in New York, and yeah. he gives up a ton of home runs. Yeah, there's no reason. Like, I don't understand everybody drafting Jordan Montgomery. Maybe, I, and maybe I've got a blind spot. Maybe I need to go and do some deeper dives on Jordan Montgomery. But it just doesn't make sense the love affair that certain people, uh, you know, in high stakes leagues and in the industry have for Jordan Montgomery. Well, when he's had a chance to pitch and he's healthy, he showed a bit of promise. His rookie year, 2017, was really nice. Uh, ERA under four and the fifth basically matched that. As uh, promising, he's got a decent ground ball rate in a park where he would have to get that up even more. In my opinion, it's at 40% in his rookie year. I would need to get that up a little bit more. So I think there's something there. I wouldn't dismiss him entirely, but you know, hey. He, I mean, he Love hasn't it. had an ERA below 511 since 2018. Right, but he's been and injured. He, he had a, a massive injury. But that isn't that isn't a, a plus. He and he's been injured. Not, not, but he's been injured. It's Andy. No, but he's been injured. No, that is how you say it. No, it's like there's injury and when he's been pitching, he's been shit. So like, what yeah. is the reason we think that that is somehow going to turn around for him? Because it's not his fault. That's why. And if <laughs> no, he's going to still be healthy, he's not health, 35. Health is a skill. Uh, it is. Oh, a God. Okay. Health oh. is a skill. And if he's not shown health, we can't then just go project it. Pitchers get... 55% of pitchers go on the IL every season. Not catastrophically, but, I mean, we're going to lose half of the pool at some point to the IL. So now we're going to take a guy who's been injured each of the last two seasons and say, this is the year, and he's going to have skill growth. No, I'm just – like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it's not going to be on my team. I don't know how you evaluate someone who's basically had, like, a four-year hiatus 
So my question to you, Mike, would you rather have Jordan Montgomery or a guy who's about 15 to 20 spots later in Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox? I'd rather have Eduardo and his okay. questionable heart. <laughs> okay. and I, and Which is I, not his I, fault. So. Yeah, that, yeah, the COVID's definitely not his fault. But, I mean, I'm not <laughs> drafting. Like, I think we're going to talk about uh, guys that are completely off our list. Eduardo Rodriguez is one of those guys that's completely off my list until we see him actually pitch. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just until a few months ago that he was cleared to walk. Let me repeat that. He was cleared to walk. Right. I hope the best for him. I loved him in 2019 when he was, you know, throwing what, like 190 innings of just really, really good stuff. But he's had a really hard time staying healthy his entire career. And like myocardial heart, this is not like something to F around with. Like, like I said, he could not walk all summer. Like because of because of COVID, so I need to see him on a mound before I'll invest anything in him on draft day. <laughs> I never thought I'd get so heated about fucking Jordan Montgomery. God, That's why I, I put I, it I, on the list. Screw Mike, that guy. I don't care. He's on none of my teams, but that, that was interesting. I hope I he doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, Jordan, if you're out there, nothing but respect for you, sir. Here's the challenge, Mike. Go trade for him right now. If don't you believe in him like that, that much. I, that's not cool, man. I don't want to trade. I really don't. But uh, all right. What well, about Drew Smiley? Go trade for Drew Smiley. No, I don't want that either. No, that's, that you. was a You really fucked us with that conundrum. I will say that. So there you go. That's a little <laughs> bit of our <laughs> ADP conundrums for that segment. We can close the book on that now. ADP is Kyle Tucker top 30. Should I pitch out with I love this song. That's great. Sing along. Enjoy yourself. Uh, Who did that for you guys? Uh, did you guys do that? I made that. My, yeah, that, I put that That together. is absolutely amazing. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate I, that. I, I If I didn't have Alex Fast singing Colorado cha-cha-cha as my ringtone, <laughs> that would be my ringtone. Wow, that is high praise, sir. Much obliged. We do appreciate that. We try to make a song here or there when I can. It's fun. It's something we try to incorporate in the show. In fact, I'm working on one for uh, Zach from Draft Champions Podcast right now. So hopefully that'll be done by this weekend. Zach, stay tuned. I'm working on it, buddy. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about some trades. Now, this is trades and bargaining from a perspective of Dynasty Keeper. This is not a uh-huh. redraft situation. So we want to make sure that people understand that without having any frame of reference, it would be a little bit more difficult for them. But here we go. Dormammu, I come to bargain. That's right. So we're gonna bargain. First one I have for you, this guy says, Hey, I can either keep Kyle Hendricks or I can lose him to the draft and trade for Jose Barrios. What would you do? Keep Kyle Hendricks. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Kyle but- Hendricks is a guy that get shit on by projections because they can't really quantify what can elite control guys can do. But Kyle Jendricks should be a top 25 starting pitcher every year. He always returns that value. Uh, he's one of the safest guys out there. I love Jose Barrios and he is younger. So, I mean, if you're trying to get younger, I guess, cause then I guess you could trade for Barrios and then try to get Hendricks back in the draft. There you go. So I guess that is an option. But like, if I'm saying I'm only going to end up with one on my team this year, I want to end up with Hendricks. Okay. Uh, this is for a dynasty league first base pick. Would you rather have Pete Alonso or Vladdy Guerrero Jr.? <sighs> you said is it? You said for dynasty for like the the length of the career. Dormammu, I've come to yes, bargain. Yes, this is 
for a I'm dynasty go. first base choice. This would be a dynasty league, and I don't know how long. I, I assume you get to have him as long as you want. Yeah, if, no it, other... if, it's, if it's length of the career, I'm going to take Vladdy because I think if he does ever hit the upside that we know is in there, he could be a top 10 fantasy player for a decade, um, you know, in the same way Miguel Cabrera was. Uh, so I think you take that. And you kind of say, you know, maybe I'm not getting the full value this year because I don't know that you're going to get it, uh, that maybe Alonzo will give you. But the elite upside on Vlad Guerrero Jr., yeah, I would take that for the length of his career. I think we've already seen the ceiling of what Alonzo can do, and that batting mm-hmm. average is never going to be as high as what Vladdy could possibly do. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Respectable. I have no beef with what you guys say. This is all about bargaining. That's what we're talking about. Dynasty keeper bargains. Uh, I come to bargain. How about this one? Is Madison Bumgarner washed up? Uh, Thinking about trading him for Braxton Garrett and a couple of draft picks. I would do that. I, I, I mean, I, you know, as a Giants fan, Madison Bumgarner is on the Mount Rushmore of Giants. You know, right next to Willie Mays and Barry Bonds. Uh, and I will, I will forever be grateful that he was on our team. But he has never been the same since that ATV accident. Uh, and what he, what he, what he offered in fantasy was elite ratios in a ton of innings. And so he was just going to stabilize. And you know, he, because he he did a ton of innings, he would rack up strikeouts even without a huge strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. Well, now he hasn't been able to deliver the elite ratios or the innings. So. And Shit. he's never racked up the strikeout. So at this point, it's like, like I don't, I think, oh, I can actually check. I just released my starting pitcher ranks over on Fangraphs yesterday. So I ranked Madison Bumgarner as 125th starting pitcher this year. Oh, shit. So that tells you where I have him for this year. And now we're talking about Dynasty, a guy who's now had serious injuries twice um, in recent years. I Yeah, no, I'm, I'm done on... I'm done on Baumgartner. Oh God, I made a I made a comment about him in our Keeping the Faith segment with Derek Van Riper last Friday, where I said, you know, we're talking about players you want to keep the faith in. They've produced before, but not so much recently. And I made a case for him that he could still be useful if he could eat up innings and give you a four ERA. I could live with that. I, I, the problem he might be able to eat up innings. I don't think it's going to come in a four ERA. Here, here's a, here's a tool for for people who are couch scouts like myself, right? I don't have any formal scout training. Yeah. If you want to look at a player's command, you know, in a game, watch the glove. So a catcher sets up a glove of target. If the glove moves, then he's not hitting his spots. And the one thing that Bumgarner did prior to the injury is that glove that Posey put up there never moved. He hit his spots all the time. And ever since that injury, he's not been able to hit his spots. He has no command within the zone. Um, and that's been a huge problem for him. Uh, and that leads to home runs. It leads to hard hits because he can't hit his spots anymore. Um, I'm not saying he can't get back to that. Maybe it's just he needed time uh, to recover, but I, I can't bank on it at this point. That's tough. That's tough to hear. But, hey, the truth hurts, right, Deary? I'm sure you're not with this either, right, Deary? No, no I'm, I'm off on Bumgarner. It's like what Justin said. Like He ate up so many damn innings that he ate up K's, but really he had, he's never gone over 10k per nine or the k percentage super high he's just ate up so many innings and i hate the situation he's in in arizona i can't i, I can't stand arizona from a fantasy perspective 
All right, fine. Hey, you know what? I don't blame you guys. I listen to people, and I'll keep it real. Uh, a couple more here. Uh, what do we got here? I this is from uh, All Caps Man. He says, a 12-team keeper league, 7x7 uh, OPS, plus extra base okay. hits. So okay. Gets a little more. Uh, Biggio or Herrera? Hmm. Hura. I said Herrera. Hura. Sorry. Idiot. I think with the extra base hits... And the OPS, you go Keston Hura. Um, Because I think the power upside is greater. Uh, Not to mention the on-base angle. Hura has shown the ability to walk at the major level. Plus, he's going to gain first-base eligibility now that they've signed Colton Wong. Uh, That's always nice to have a guy who can be, you know, a corner or a middle. Uh, So, you know, he can fill up to five positions, first, second, corner, middle, util. Uh, so, yeah, I, I go Hero there. Deary? I got all these shares into Unbigio. Uh Basically, about a month ago, I was just talking up Biggio constantly. So I have to stick on that. But I really like Kesson Hira. So <sighs> you said OPS? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. You know what? I'm going to have to go with Hira. I, I think he's going to be hitting more bombs. I love the fact that he – I mean, they're probably going to steal the same amount of bases. Hira's lineup has just gotten better with Colton Wong there, and now, like like Justin said, he might be getting some first base eligibility. Oh, man, he two will. young players. I, th- I think I'm going to have to go with Hira. All right, well, hey, there's nothing wrong. We're all entitled to our opinions here. We like that. Keep it coming, dearie. You're on a roll today. Also, he also mentions this one, Dylan Carlson or Austin Meadows, same format. Oh, it's Meadows. It's not even close. I mean, oh shit! Wow. Here, this is what I don't get. And I said this recently on another podcast. I can't remember which one it was because uh, I've been doing a lot recently. But uh, oh, I think it was the Friends Fantasy Benefits. We did the race preview last week uh, with Mike Warner, who's a big race guy. So um, with Moncada, with Yon Moncada this year or last year, we're kind of throwing out his season because he got COVID, right? And he just he said he never felt right, and so we kind of throw out twenty twenty have we forgotten that Austin Meadows got COVID and that maybe his struggles in 2020 were directly related? Cause he just didn't look like himself. Like he played, he was healthy, you know, after getting back from COVID, but he just never looked right. I think it was possibly due to the COVID. And we just haven't heard that because he hadn't been talking about it. Um, I mean, this is a guy that had a monster season in 2019. Uh, and like, we're, people are just writing him off. He's going just inside the top 100 after being like a second or third round pick coming into 2020. Uh, and I mean, he, in, in 2019, hit 33 home runs, stole 12 bases in 138 games. It's going to lead off for the Rays who are one of the best team in baseball. Uh, I love Austin Meadows. Like I understand everybody's excited about Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson hasn't proven shit at the major league level yet. We got breaking news too that we can all talk about at the same time. Ooh. Big trade happened. This is huge. This is an emergency what? alert. We got a trade. It's going to be kind of a letdown. Uh, it's oh, Dexter Fowler oh, to the Angels. On. Dexter Fowler is now a you California slash Los Angeles Angel. That is kind of a big trade for the Cardinals because they get rid of Dexter Fowler mm. and now they can play guys like Tommy Edmond and Tyler O'Neill. Um, and Dylan Carlson, it kind of you know clears out a little bit of that clutter in the outfield. So, like I don't care about Dexter Fowler at all. You know that maybe that is a huge strike against 
Joe Adele and now Joe Adele and maybe even Brandon March don't really have a place to play in 2021. Uh, but in terms of the Cardinals, it clears out a little bit. And now Tommy Edmond, who, who might be moving out to the outfield after the acquisition of Aaron Otto or playing out there more, uh, has, uh, you know, guaranteed full-time playing time. I love me some Tommy Edmond this year. Quadruple eligible. Give me that all day. Oh, dearie, you got a best pal. What do we got? Well, Tommy he loves Edmund. Edmund like you do. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm all about Edmund. We talked about him last night. I, I'm all about him. How come we're not talking more about uh, Fowler here? Come on, guys. Because we don't care. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why would you add an outfielder if you already have a couple of young outfielders you want to try to get in the mix with Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele? Uh, maybe that would imply that there's a lack of trust with Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh, too. In this, maybe this is, uh, this speaks more to, I mean, obviously Joe Adele, he was not ready. I no. love the raw talent of Joe Adele, and I've been a big Joe Adele guy since he was drafted. Um, but it was clear he was not ready. And these were things we were hearing from prospect guys uh, coming into last year. Like, hey, Joe Adele, if and when he does come up, ugh, he may have trouble hitting breaking pitches. He may strike out quite a bit. Um, okay. He's not quite ready. So I think, I think, Take Joe Adele off your draft boards. This may be the time to to trade for him in Dynasty League because his this is probably the lowest in value is going to be. But maybe this is a little bit more concerning for a guy like Jared Walsh, who had a really really big twenty twenty. Um, you know, thirty two games, hit nine home runs with uh, two ninety three batting average. Uh, he may not have as much playing time, especially with the corpse of Albert Pujo still manning first base. You know, this year through the last year of his contract, um, people may want to pump the brakes on uh, a trendy sleeper in Jared Walsh. Okay. Well, hey, there you have it. That's the end of that segment. We did some bargaining, and we are done. Well, Mamu, I've come I love to bargain. It's a lot of fun. There's always something interesting to be learned from these Dynasty and Keeper League trades, and they're happening nonstop. So you were listening to the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. That's Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's, two Z's. Utah. Give me two. Never forget it. Now we're going to switch gears again. We continue to switch our gears. Our gears are switched in and out for new things. It's time for a new segment we're calling I Won't Do That. And, yes, it has a new song, so enjoy. Here I'm terrified. Go. God damn it, Mike. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Send me an MP3 of all of these songs. I I, I want to make a playlist. Okay, sure, I will. Yeah, I got a. Oh yeah, that's more, the best. Uh, it's the best one yet. I'm crying. Hey, all fantastic! Right, Just Dude, top notch. High standards. I'm so glad that I could please you guys. Thank you so much. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely. 
<laughs> I had another. I was trying to get it. I was going to debut it for Ben Palmer last night in our segment, oh. but we didn't get to it. Oh, so. Ben would have loved it. You got to have the debut. That's the first oh, time we've had that. I, I, I thoroughly appreciate that. That was, um, <laughs> yeah, tears in my eyes. Like, that was great. Thanks, guys. I do appreciate that. Anyways, hey, this is about, I won't do that. I won't draft this player, or I'm trying to avoid this player. I just can't do it. You would do almost anything for certain players, and even certain players you don't love, you'll take them at a certain point because your value is value, but not these guys. So, Justin, you're up first. Give us a player that you probably won't draft. It's Denelson Lamette. It's just not going to happen. I'm not a big – I was not a big two-pitch uh, Denelson Lamette fan coming into 2020. He made me eat my words, um, but – and, you know – if he was healthy, I would definitely be considering him, uh, you know, probably around his ADP. But the fact that the Padres are bringing in every single starting pitcher they can tells me that they are super concerned about what they're going to be able to get out of Lamette coming into 20, the 21. Uh, and I just I don't want I mean, the draft price is dropping considerably, but I'm still it's still not low enough for me. Okay, Denelson Lamette is a guy that I've avoided in all drafts. Deary, would you be drafting Denelson Lamette? Nope, I'm out on him. I was actually going to put him on this segment, but I'm going to save it when we finally get our uh, pod with Ben going. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, Deary, who you got? Yeah, it's Javi Baez for me. Um, I just I can't live with this low walk rate, low average. Uh, I mean, I know his average has been near 290, 280, but there's just so much that I can't stand about this guy. Like. Will he steal bags? I don't think he's going to steal bags. His swinging strike is just out of control sometimes. Now, the home run to fly ball is usually super high, but I'd like to see him hit more line drives. I think this, I think this Cubs offense is regressing. Now, there's a lot of depth in shortstops. So let's say you're waiting on shortstops. You know, you're going with a guy like Baez here, you know, maybe a Gliber Torres. And I think you're, you're going to be a little more happy with Gliber Torres. Who I like who's going a little bit after this is Dansby Swanson. I think Dansby Swanson is on the up and up. He showed it last year. I can't wait to see what he does in a full season with an Atlanta team that I think is going to really, really be a contender to win the World Series. But, I, I mean, Baez, great player. I just don't see it in fantasy anymore. So I'm not buying in on uh, Javi Baez this year, and I haven't for the last couple of years. Comments on that, Justin? Javi Baez? Um, I mean, I think Javi Baez actually offers somewhat of a bounce back potential. I mean, he's a guy who mm-hmm. has elite, uh, you know, hand speed. Uh, you know, we see it defensively. He really struggled. You know, he, he's talked about really struggling with um, not being able to watch video. Now, that, that may not be an option for him this year. Again, if we're still dealing with a lot of the uh, COVID protocols, but he's likely going to be traded to a different team. He's in the I last think that year helps his, him a ton. Yeah, and if he ends up, like, let's say he ended up on a team like, I don't know, the Marlins or the Rays or the Blue Jays or the Nationals, you know, teams that were in, like, the top ten in terms of team stolen bases, it, he's not running because that's a team decision. Um, you know, and we've seen this with guys like Manny Machado who left the Orioles and when they wouldn't run at all, I mean, the Orioles stole like 16 bases as a team one season, uh, in 162 games. So, uh, <laughs> to a team like the Padres and we saw him push it more on the base path. So, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of bounce back potential in high bias. So I disagree there. Ooh, rebuttal, Derek. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm just not drafting him. 
<laughs> it's just, I mean, so listen, like it really depends on the type of league you're playing in. A lot of leagues I play in, like we're playing with K's and, you know, for offensive okay. hitters and that, you know, K rate of 31%, like just doesn't do it for me. And the, and the OBP is just not going to do it for me too. Now there certainly is the potential for a bounce back. I just don't see it this year with Javi Baez. So and, I'm out. And that's actually a really good distinction that Chris just brought up is he is one of those players that's very league dependent. If you're playing in a points league, if you're playing in an on-base percentage format or uh, a league where you get negative for strikeouts, maybe some base, you know, like some best ball leagues, bias hurts you quite a bit. But if you're playing in like a traditional five by five roto, which is what I typically play in, I think he's got a lot of bounce back potential. Okay, there it is. Uh, my guy's Charlie Morton. I am not interested in drafting Charlie Morton this year. I thought that he was kind of somewhat finished last year. Now I know. It was a goofy season. You may or may not have heard it was a shortened season. Uh, you know, it didn't run. There was some things that happened. It was short, and there was a sample size that's rather small. Uh, it happens. This is our sample size alarm, by the way, if you're not familiar, Justin. And <laughs> so we, yeah, Charlie Morton, though, was thinking about hanging it up before he went back into 2020. He was really close to saying, you know, I've had enough of this game. And I know we can't always put a lot of stock in what we see in these short samples, but I, I didn't like what I saw in 2020. Uh, the Rays didn't like what they saw either. You know, his, uh, his strand rate went down a little bit from what it had been the last few years. Maybe he got unlucky. That's fair. But his K rate dropped a lot, and I think that K rate's going to drop some more. I just don't want to have anything to do with Charlie Morton. I think, I think there's other options that I would rather have that I feel more confident in. When it comes to risk and taking a chance, why should I take a risk on this guy when I could probably have someone like, jeez, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I find, uh, ah, shit, it's, um, it's escaping me. Some pitcher around that same area, like Patrick Pablo Corbin. Lopez. Yeah, uh, no, no, Pablo Lopez. No, I don't want Corbin either. Patrick yeah. Corbin. No. Frankie no. Monta. Yes, yes, there you go. That's another guy I buy back into. No Corbin, yes Montas, yes Pablo Lopez. Give me somebody like that around the same ADP. I'd rather have him. Here's the thing. Okay, I felt the same way coming into draft season this year about Charlie Morton, largely because of the injury. We saw him really struggle with his shoulder injury in season. He True. came back strong um, at the end of the season. And so that alleviates a little bit of the worry. What alleviated it more for me was what he did in the playoffs. He, he threw 20 innings in the playoffs, had a 270 ERA, strikeout rate of about 27%, looked like the Charlie Morton of old. We assume that the Braves have done their research on the medicals and that he's okay. I'm starting to warm up a little bit more to Charlie Morton. Still prefer some of those other guys we just mentioned, uh, including Patrick Corbin, including Frankie Montas, including uh, Pablo Lopez. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm no longer, at first I was out on, uh, Charlie Morton, but I, I ranked him 31st in my, in my starting pitcher ranks. So I'm obviously not shit. Okay. Well, I still am not interested, but you do make an interesting case about the playoff run and being healthy. If health is a factor and I've made a mistake in that he is going to continue to provide what he always provided for you, then. I'll call myself wrong, and maybe I'll look into this further. But as of today, on February 4th, 2021, I'd rather have Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, uh, just Pitt Frankie Montas, like you said. There's a lot of other starters that I feel will be more reliable and give me more of what I'm looking for. 
And that's just my opinion. If it's going to happen for Morton, this is probably going to be his last year. I mean, that guy's 37 years old. I think his ERA will probably just be fine. I'm just really interested to see how many innings he's going to get. I think the move for the Braves is to give you some type of stability, especially if you do end up going to like a six-man rotation because the Braves have so many young arms. Okay. Well, hey, shit. I don't know everything. Justin, give me another guy. Oh, another guy. Um, let me think. Let's let's talk about a different Braves pitcher, and let's talk about Mike Soroka. Now, in the past, I've been a huge Mike Soroka guy. I've really, really, uh, you know, felt like he was underappreciated because he doesn't have the huge strikeout rates, and people kind of uh, overlook him because of that. That being said. There just isn't a large track record that we can pull from in terms of guys coming back from Achilles injuries like this. And then there was talk uh, recently about, well, with DH, he might not start the season on time uh, because they don't want him to run. If they don't want him to run, he's not pitching whether there is a, <laughs> is a DH or not. I mean, he's going to have to run. That's part of being an athlete is you need the ability to run. And if, if they don't trust him to run from home to first – why would they trust him to run from the pitcher's mound to first to cover, you know, a ball hit to the first baseman? Um, uh, that's super scary. I mean, because we don't have a track record, because we don't know what his health uh, situation is with that Achilles, uh, I'm not drafting Mike Soroka right now. Hey, he's also mentioned in the song. 2020 ruined a lot of people's feelings. People were in pain from that experience. And I feel bad for his Achilles, I do. Uh, all right, Deary, give me another guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Cattell Marte. What? Uh, huge breakout in 2019, you know, 32, 97, 92, 10 stolen bases. What's interests me is the power was really never there in the minors or the early part of his career. And the home run to fly ball rate was just ridiculous in 19. It was 19%. I'm expecting more of like an 8 to 10%. Um, I think he projects probably more towards 18 to 20 home runs. I don't love the exit velocity with him at all. Um, you know, I think he's closer to hitting more ground balls than ever. I think it's going to be closer to like, a, you know, always more ground balls. And I think he's, he's probably going to be closer to like a 50%. Um, so I think 19 may have been an outlier and I'm more on board with a guy like Jeff, Jeff McNeil uh, than Cattell Marte. I also, like I said before, I hate the Arizona uh, lineup. You know, we saw it last year with Escobar going off a couple of years ago, and then he actually came back to where everybody expected him to be last year. So um, certainly if, he performs like he did in 19. I'm way wrong on this one. I mean, the guy doesn't strike out a lot, so he's got that going for him. I just don't think he hits the ball hard enough, and I don't think he's going to be able to continue that lift. And I certainly don't think he's a 329 hitter like he did in 2019. So I'm going to be out on Cattell Marte this year. Hmm, that's kind of sad. Do you, you are nodding uh, yeah. quite a bit there, Justin. You seem to be in agreement. And I've, I've been a big uh, Cattell Marte fan in the past. Uh, but here's the problem. 2019, his season ended with an injury. 2020, his season was ravaged with a back injury. Like, why do we think he's healthy now? Like, I, I don't understand this idea. And I think part of the power outage last year had to do with health. Um, and the second base is just such a deep position that I'm not going to, you know, waste a, um, a pick on a guy like Marte who's currently going – at pick 75 when the guy going right in front of him is Keston Hira. The guy going right behind him is Brandon Lau, who I absolutely love. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Kettle Marte is, is not a top 100 pick, and he's going way inside of that. 
Yeah, he had a career-high barrel percentage in 2019, and he hit the ball harder. He launched it tremendously higher. His launch angle jumped up to 11.5 from a previous of 5.8. So we need a show-me season from him. I would agree there. I kind of liked Marte coming into this season, but the more I start to look at it, I think you're right, Deary and Justin, that there is some issues here that he needs to prove he wasn't a fluke. And if he proves that, then he's going to prove a lot of people wrong, and then people will say, hey, look at me. I was right, and you were wrong. And people can shove it in each other's faces. And part of the hype on Marte has always been, dude is blazing fast. And we've never seen that translate <laughs> into a ton of stolen bases. And I mean, so yeah, right? what, 10 I, stolen bases. Boring. Yeah. Like, and at, so at what point do we go? He really doesn't have the stolen base upside uh, that we thought that he might. And he really yeah. doesn't have a ton of power in that bat. Like we, yes, the 32 home runs was great. In 2019, we saw a lot of guys have career year at home runs in 2019 because the ball was juiced. What makes us think that that's going to happen again? Well, I don't know if we know that. So, hey, we'll see what happens, dearie. We'll find out who's right and who's wrong. And that's the end of this segment. I would do anything for an ace. I'd do anything for a pick. But I Play the song. Do... Play it again. Play it again. Play it again. There it is. Yes. Of course, we're playing the song. <laughs> One more time. I would do anything for an ace I'd sacrifice my first five picks I would do anything for an ace I'd even draft play second round two I'd never forget the way I felt When I crafted Mike Soroka 2020, I would do anything for an ace, but I won't do that. No, I won't do that. You know, can we go back to the you know earlier part in the podcast when you asked me like either or on music, and can I just pick you? Like, can you yes. just be my musical taste? Sure. Hey, I'm, if you got anything you want, I'll do it for you. you know, I think know. by the end of this podcast year, we're going to, Mike, you're going to have a whole album worth of stuff. Oh, you know it. Yeah, there's, I'll there's buy where that, that came from. I'll pay I, the dollar ninety nine on iTunes. Shit, iTunes still a thing? I didn't know that. I don't okay, know. Well, <laughs> I don't, I I don't no listen idea. to music. <laughs> no, that's right. You don't know anything about music. You're so weird. What a what a bizarro man you are. Anyway, just thanks, listens guys. to the Govier classics. Mm-hmm. Hey, that'll get you through, man. You know, we try to have a little fun on the show, mix it up a bit. But to, now to we want to know about it. To be honest, though, I have been listening to a lot of the Hamilton soundtrack. So. Ah, I've still never seen it. I'm one of the oh, last my God. Oh, it's so fantastic. Do you not have Disney Plus or something? It's true. I don't. Okay. Well, I'm going to slide you my login. So oh, you, really? You and Leanne can sit down one night and watch. It is absolutely fantastic. Wow. Well, I mean, uh, boy, I'd love to sit down with Leanne. I haven't seen her in almost a year, but when we can see each other again, <laughs> we will do that for sure. Maybe I'll save Hamilton for her when we can finally see each other again. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate that. And Deary hasn't seen it either, so I'm not alone. My wife hates musicals. We have Disney Plus. I don't know. I just haven't. Oh been, shit! Uh, well, you have no excuse, dude. I'm not yeah. a musical guy either, but I am a history buff, and Every, this yeah. is a musical unlike anything I've ever seen. It is absolutely. I mean, no joke. 
I have listened to that soundtrack. I watched the movie sometime like in the summer, and I have listened to that soundtrack at least a hundred times since the summer. It is absolutely fantastic. I have not heard a bad word about it since like you know it was on stage and then they did the film and all this like i and and i i enjoy musicals and i like history i've been a part of history at some point (laughs) mike mike you should you were a former history teacher you should have interest in this right i I, i'm with you i yes i I mean i'm a history major it really spoke to me just the the historical content of it um it is beautifully uh staged and the music is absolutely amazing. It is a must-see, dude. Okay. Well, hey, you've sold me. That's I've heard nothing but good things, obviously, so it'll be a matter of time, trust me. But now let's talk about you, Justin. Let's talk about your fantasy process. I want to dive in here and get some quick analysis about how it really works. Now, you can't sell us the farm. I understand that. you got to keep some things private. But when you start your draft prep, what's the first thing you do for a new season of draft prep? Well, I mean, here's the thing, and this is going to be besides wait, wait, besides getting the friends with fantasy benefits draft yes. guide. Yes, course. obviously, so. yes. Um, my draft prep starts earlier than probably about ninety five percent of people. Uh, I start doing my draft prep for the next season, typically around mid to late August. Um, and August, so, yeah. And if you've seen, I do mock drafts, the the Mason mocks with two early mock drafts. Yeah, September, I did that in September. And so, like, I'm already starting my prep for the next season in August. And it's going – it's it's starting to – I start by dissecting my teams. And I go, okay, where was I right, where was I wrong, and why? And I think that is a really underrated aspect of draft prep is actually going back into the previous year, whenever you're starting yours. Most people are starting theirs now or started it last month, is go back and look at – what you got right and what you got wrong, but more about the process. Like what in the process did you get right? Because you're not going to nail every player. Obviously we're going to be right. We're going to be wrong. Usually about the same amount, but if your processes were right and just the outcome was wrong, that's what's important. And so for me, it's about going through each individual team. Okay. What did I mess up here? Was it player analysis? Was it roster construction? Um, you know, was it a strategy piece that I'm just, that I was missing and how can I adjust that for the future? Um, and how can I apply that for the way I develop my strategies, my, my prep, my roster construction for the future. So it all starts with going back before we start looking forward. Ah, see, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I respect that, man. You are a hustler. You now don't mean that he's a scam artist. That means that he really puts a lot of effort into what he does. He takes his time. And I respect that about you. I always have. So obviously mock drafts are a thing you do. We don't need to cover that. Uh, but what is one person or an entity besides yourself and your own fantasy benefits, besides you and your own crew, who do you reach out to for fantasy advice that you really respect more than almost anybody else? Or is it a couple people or is it a specific website? We could be anything. I mean, I'm a big, you know, proponent, obviously of fan graphs. I worked there um, in baseball right. savant and in Brooks baseball. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the industry that I read their work. It's not so much. It's not so much like there's one or two particular people necessarily, but I try to absorb as much content as I can. Like, I remember I was talking to somebody a while back on a podcast and they're like, well, I don't look at anybody else's ranks. I don't look at anybody else's stuff because I don't want to be influenced. I want to be influenced. I want to be challenged. One of the things that 
Paul and I do on the podcast when we, you know, Paul Spore and I, when we talk on the sleeper and the bus is, you know, we challenge each other. And often like people, sometimes people tell us, Oh, that was uncomfortable. Cause we were going, you're going back and forth, <laughs> but like, it's a mutual respect. And he challenged me, challenges me to back up what I believe. And oftentimes when I have a disagreement with him or with someone else in the industry, it challenges me to go and do a deeper dive. You know, when Dave McDonald tells me you should be taking Zach Plesak in the second round, like that song talked about, I go, <laughs> I really respect Dave McDonald. I disagree with him, but now I need to go and take a deeper dive into Zach Plesak and either figure out why Dave thinks that or reinforce what I already believe um, or be somewhere in the middle. And so I think it's it's more important to consume as much content from people you respect as possible. And then now, you know, I do this for a living. So it's going to be easier for me. I've got more time to do this because I'm getting paid to do it. But I like I don't don't be one of those people that says, oh, I'm just going to follow Vlad Sedler or I'm just going to follow what Derek Van Riper says. They're great guys. Super yeah. smart. I respect everything they, they put out there but get as many opinions as you can and figure out which one makes sense to you. Who can back it up as opposed to who can scream at the loudest. So disagreements can be absolutely be very, very helpful. They are like, if you're, if you're listening to a podcast um, or the radio and the two guys are just agreeing the whole time, what are you learning? Like it, <laughs> it, it doesn't, that doesn't do anything. Like, and I think sometimes you know, um, sometimes I get criticized and people like me in the industry get criticized for, you know, pushing back on people. Um, and it's not a sign of disrespect. I've said it a lot. If I invite you on to a podcast of mine, it's because I respect your talent and I expect that you can back up what you're going to say. And so I'm going to push you because I want you to convince me being the host, just like you guys are going to push me and disagree with me. You know, because you want me to back up what I'm going to say. I, I don't Jordan want Montgomery, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> don't so, hurt my fantasy feelings. Yeah. Um, as my wife says in the chat, unless it's with your wife. No, she's always right and never wrong because right. she's my wife. Very she, good. She owns me. <laughs> I, I, I love that perspective. I agree. Uh, nobody's ever wrong, ever. Everyone's always right. Let's all agree. <laughs> shake hands. Hold hands. Love each other. Yes. Thank you, Danielle. Well played. Yes, right. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's cool. There's a lot of great people. I know it's hard to just single out one person and say, that's it. This is my go-to. Because the more, the merrier. It really is mm -hmm. the case when it comes to fantasy. However, tell us about somebody that we don't really know who we should know mm -hmm. in the fantasy baseball realm. Give us somebody that we could prop up more because that's really the we did it last time with Rob and he gave us uh, uh, Mr. St. Josh St. Marie from SB Streamer and that was great it was a very positive experience oh okay someone you don't know let's see I mean or not as well known I mean I'll, I'll give you two guys that aren't from my site because there are a lot of great guys from my site go by the draft guide there are a lot of guys Jim Bay Ray Coon Ben Brennis uh, Greg Blankenship, who finished like third in the online championship in 2019, like great guys from my site, but you can, you can go listen to the friends fantasy benefits podcast and, um, or, or buy the guide for them. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll do two guys, one that's a little bit more well-known and one that's really, really new, but I had him on the friends fantasy benefits podcast the other day. Uh, and he was fantastic. So Matthew Davis, you know him, Michael, I know him. I love him. 
Dude is one of the smartest people in the industry and a fantastic high stakes player. New podcast over at FTN uh, with another one of my guys who's also at FTN, uh, Matt Cupferly. Um, they do really, really great work and both are really, really great high stakes players. So if you if you like the high stakes and you want to get some information from maybe a guy that other people aren't getting as much from because they're newer uh, doing this, uh, they, they are great guys over there at FTN. Um, Chris Weber over at Pitcher List, I think he's got like, I don't know, like 250 followers um, uh, over on Twitter. I had him to preview the Mets last week uh, over at the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast, uh, and he was absolutely fantastic. Helped me look at a couple players in a different way than I had been, and I was super impressed by him. Um, he was, he, you know, I'd been talking to him in the Pitcherless Discord, and he was like, you know, I'm really, uh, I'm really, you know, looking to try to maybe guest on some podcasts. If you hear of anybody who's looking, let me know. It's like. Come on on. I'll give you a shot, you know. Um, and, and he really just blew the doors off the place and was fantastic on that podcast. So definitely uh, go and follow him. Uh, and I'm trying to find his uh, his Twitter, uh, his Twitter handle. But um, it, uh, <clears throat> so have I. I'm not finding it yet, but that sounds great. I like what I'm hearing. I Want to support people like that who need to be more well-known and give the coverage they deserve. So Chris Weber at PitcherList, go find him, go follow him, read his stuff, and listen to the episode with Justin that he did together on the Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast. That's a good call. Uh, what else can we test, Justin? We asked so many questions, you know, and there's so much to ask, but we can't cover everything, so I like to get to the finer points of it all. Are there gaps in our current knowledge, Justin? Right now, is, is there, or is there one in particular where you see, hey, there's a hole to be filled that we need to fill? Um, I'm sure there are. Uh, oh, I found Chris Chris's uh, uh, handle. So, at Schwebzi, S-H-W-E-B-S-I. Go follow him. Go follow him. Rob DiPietro, like you have on, another guy, fantastic, should be following, um, at Deadpool Hitter, uh, uh, or at Pool Hitter, uh, and then at Deadpool Hitter for his podcast. So, um, But definitely wanted to get Chris's Twitter out there. Uh, definitely go follow him because he is he's only got 239 followers and he should have a thousand he, he was hell really, yeah really good, so um okay so are there gaps in our knowledge for sure the hard part is where are those gaps right so it's hard to know i think one of the things i think i've already mentioned on this podcast is projections have a really hard time uh kind of quantifying the the really elite command guys um and so if you're one of those people that uh, uses projections for your drafting, you're going to miss out on guys like Kyle Hendricks, on guys like Marco Gonzalez, on guys like uh, Tyler Molly. I think there are people in the industry like Eno Saris that are starting to quantify it. If you go look at his command plus metric, that is starting to really kind of help uh, bridge the gap there. But I still think that um, there is a disconnect a little bit from the stats and the actual play on the field. The stats are great and I love them. And I think we can learn a lot about players and predicting future performance and digging into current performance with stats. I'm not shitting on stats at all, uh, but there are, there are some things that it can't quantify. And so uh, not to say that it won't in the future. I think that as the, the, the math and the science behind those things develop, we'll have more answers in the future, but we're not quite a hundred percent there yet. And so 
it's great to see guys like Eno, see guys like Alex Chamberlain, see guys like Alex Fast come up with new metrics and new ways of looking at things. Um, you know, Alex Chamberlain just did an article about Kyle Hendricks over on Fangraphs. You have to go read, uh, you know, because it Always. talks about this exact same thing. Uh, but I do think that is one of the holes kind of in the fantasy industry or baseball statistical game itself. I respect that. Uh, is there five stats or maybe a top three that you really rely on? Is it pitching or hitting? You can choose either. Um, no. And uh, here's the oh. thing. Like, okay, so I get this question a lot. And it's, you know, is there a stat that is more important than others? Or is there a stat you look at the most? Yeah. And I think, I think that is a really, you know, it's a really fair question, but it's a shortcut. It's a way for people to, you know, only have to look at a couple things because they don't have time. Here's the thing. <laughs> Statistics are just like any, anything within the fantasy game. Statistics, you know, each statistic is a piece of the puzzle. If you don't have all of those pieces, you're not going to see the entire picture. Uh, and so I think it's important to, yes, are there certain stats that I may look at first? Shh, there might be. <laughs> but, but we're not going to know those. No, <laughs> I mean, and I'm not trying to hold anything back because I think it is important that people look at the at everything that they can. It's just like I was talking about with, you know, who do I go to for information? I go to everybody because that's going to give me a clearer picture of that of that puzzle. And so I think yeah. it's important to not just say, oh, you know, I want to go look at StatCast. StatCast is great, but it's not the end-all be-all. There are guys like D.D. Gregorius that you look at a StatCast profile and you go, this guy shouldn't be able to hit 20 home runs, yeah. but he does. So there's a reason for that. Um, and if you're not looking at the all those pieces, you're never going to know the reason. Yeah, I keep bringing up DJ LeMahieu and his, his barrel rate and his hard hit rate, but the guy still bets 330 with 20 mm -hmm. home runs. Yeah. You know, Beautiful. I mean, it, it's – you need to do is you need to do as much research as you can or look or get your information from the people who are doing that kind of research. What's your best piece of advice for people who are trying to analyze pitching for 2021? Because 2020 was, you know, it was a short season and sample size is small and they were limited in their amount of innings they could pitch and people are really concerned. Hey, the guy only pitched yeah. 70 innings and now we're gonna jump to a full season. How are we to know what to do, Justin? Well, I got good news and bad news. Um, the bad news is we don't fucking know. Like that, I mean, like this is... That's two the, nights in a row. Yeah, this is the... I'm making the same argument that I made going into 2020 after we knew it was a shortened season. So in like July and June and stuff, um, you know, I told people, you know, there were some people like, well, you with a shortened season, you have to do this or you have to do that. You have to draft pitching early. You have to draft hitting early. Josh Hader's a first round pick. This is this. This is that. We didn't fucking know because it had never happened before. We had never been through this situation. There's no historical data because it's never happened in the history of baseball. So now and then we, you know, yes. Did we learn stuff from 2020? We absolutely did. And if there is another 2020 at some point in the future, uh, we'll have a better idea of it. We'll have historical data. But we have no idea how pitchers are going to ramp up in 2021. And I don't think teams know either. And so, like, people are like, well, don't draft Marco Gonzalez. He was He's going to be in a six-man rotation. Or what if the Padres do a six-man rotation? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The teams don't even know what they're going to do. Like, it's. <laughs> 
this is a complete crapshoot. So draft based on skills, you know, draft based on health profiles, draft based on the things you would normally draft on, and then be ready to pivot in draft and after draft when we get more information. Um, because that is, that's just what we're going to have to do. Anybody who tells you they know exactly what's going to happen is lying to you. Yep. I don't buy that. I've, like I always said, anybody who says they know exactly what's going on, full of shit, man. Don't buy mm-hmm. into people who show extreme confidence. It's never the case. Never the mm-hmm. case. Uh, what ADP, it matters to you how? Only because you get an idea of what other people might be thinking? Or is that it? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think ADP is a useful tool to understand the trends, okay? Because what what is ADP? ADP is a collection of data from previous drafts, okay? So yes, it has some ideas of this is what is, has happened. It doesn't tell you what's going to happen. You know, some people are just going to throw ADP out the effing window. Um, where ADP really helps, uh, I think more so in leagues you play on ESPN, leagues you play on Yahoo, leagues you play on CBS, where it's not a ton of seasoned players necessarily or people who are super in tune. And people forget that the ADPs there are built off of the projections from that site. And so you can use that ADP to go, oh, look, they've got, and I'm just going to throw out a random name. They've got Dylan Moore going, you know, ADP of 200. Well, we know that Dylan Moore should be going much higher than that, even if you're out on Dylan Moore because you're scared that he might be in a short platoon if he struggles or, you know, you don't believe in the gains that we saw in 2020. Like, there's a disconnect on those kind of sites where a lot of people's home leagues are played than, like, NFBC ADP. You know, the hard part about the NFBC ADP is that's for seasoned players who are putting up a lot of money. And that that that's good for, you know, us who are going to be doing that. But that doesn't help people as much, maybe, you know, the average person who's listening to a podcast. Fair enough. I can get on board with that. It makes total sense to me. We're talking with Justin Mason about his fantasy process and how he looks at things from a fantasy baseball perspective. Rankings? Are they just for fodder for the masses? Or do you actually take value from other people's rankings? Um, I do in a sense. So, like, let's say, you know, we're going to say a random person in the industry that I really respect, Todd Zola. Okay. Todd Zola puts out his rankings. I take a look at him and I go, and again, I haven't even looked at Todd's rankings yet. So, I have no idea where he's got players ranked. But let's say he's got Kettle Marte as uh, a first round pick because he took Kettle Marte in the first round at TGFBI last year and people lost their shit. Um, <laughs> now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, oh, well, I have Kettle Marte as a third-round pick. I really respect Todd. Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to look into Kettle Marte. What am I missing that Todd is seeing You know that maybe I should have him higher? Because I respect him. Um, you know, just like what we were talking about, you know, before with, you know, when I get in an argument with someone in the industry over a player or on a podcast, um, you know, it challenges me to go do more digging. You know, so I take people's rankings like Todd, like Clay Link, like Vlad, like Jeff Erickson, you know, uh, like Matt Williams, you know, and or Mike Curland. And I go, okay, why do they have these guys ranked here when I have them ranked in a completely different spot? Now I need to go figure out why. And sometimes it'll be a matter of I'll text them or DM and go, hey, 
why, why do you have Kettle Marte as a top 50 player? You know, and they can explain their logic or I'll have them on the pod and have them explain their logic. Um, but for regular people, you have to go and go, oh, that doesn't make sense. Or compare two lists. Hey, Justin's list has, you know, um, uh, Charlie Morton as the 31st ranked pitcher, but Michael's list has him as the 50th ranked pitcher. Okay, now I need to go figure out where I fall, you know. Uh, and so I do think rankings are important, and I think it's important in the industry that we throw out our rankings. Um, you also need to know that different people rank differently for the public. So a person like Jeff Zimmerman, who's very analytically based, ranks based on his own projections. His projections or his rankings are based on where he thinks a player is going to finish at the end of the season. I draw off my or drop my draft ranks. It's for your draft. These are the ranks I'm going to draft off of. It's not where I think a player is going to finish at the end of the year because other factors, injuries, um, you know, potential trades, playing time situations may arise that may lower or raise a guy in my ranks. So it's really important to understand who's, you know, whose rankings you're using and how they're doing their ranks and what they're intended for. Justin, will your rankings change at all by the time we get up to the regular season? You know, you just talked about how you put out your your starting pitchers over at Rotographs. Will that change? And if they do change, is it based on other information that you're getting from other analysts? Or just is it just a feeling that you're getting as we get closer to the season? It'll change. It'll change constantly. Um, And one of the things we're doing right now at Sleeper in the Buzz is we just launched a Patreon today, actually. And one of the things that in one of the tiers for the Patreon, you get to see my live and and Paul's live rankings. And as we change guys before we even post on fan graphs, you can see where we're moving guys up and down uh, because, you know, like especially like my pitcher ranks, I I might change those daily. Like I, I could easily like. You know, especially once pitchers and catchers report and we start having games, if I see something, if I hear, you know, Jason Collette, our buddy over at the Sleeper on the Bus, he does the new pitch tracker. You know, we hear that, you know, this guy's got a new pitch he's working on. This guy's improving a pitch, you know, or, you know, this guy doesn't seem to be ramping up correctly. Yeah, those things are going to change. I'll, I drop my ranks probably every two weeks on fan graphs, but I'm constantly changing them. Love it. Love it. You got to evolve. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, favorite league type to play in, if you had a preference? Um, You know, I mean, what I play in mostly is 5x5 five five Roto. Uh, it's the industry standard. It's what NFBC right. does. That's that's what I end up playing in. My original league was an old-school AL-only keeper league auction. Oh! Um, and I loved that league. I mean, played in it for 15 years before they kicked me out of it. <sighs> Um, and, uh, I, I wish I still had that format. Um, you know, uh, but I just don't know enough people in my area to rebuild something like that. Uh, and I play so much high stakes now that I I don't have a league like that. I wish I did like an AL only or an NL only keeper auction where you get together. The closest thing I have is the Barf league, which, you know, it's not A only, it's five by five with on base percentage and quality starts, but we get together every year, not this year because of COVID, but we get together in a bar, me, uh, Bubba, uh, Toby, Matt Davis, Sammy Reed, Doug Forburn, Eno Saris, Howard Bender, uh, and they all get drunk. I'm sober, so I, I watch them get drunk and we draft on a board, we scream at each other. 
Howard Bender elbows me when I take one of his picks. Um, my wife just sits around and laughs at us idiots. Uh, it's, it's, you know, for me, my favorite league to draft in is with the best people. It's all about the best people. What made the battle of the podcast league so great were the personalities and how much fun we had bullshitting during or before, during, and now after the draft. Like I, Correct. the camaraderie is what makes fantasy fun. Of course. Yeah. We, people who connect with each other and, you know, make you laugh, make you think all those mm -hmm. things, you know, they're interesting. People are the ones that are going to give you critical analysis and also just make you feel good. You know, if you like somebody and that you draw into other people, it makes you feel good. And I appreciate that. And, you know, during COVID we're really missing out on a lot of that. So We'll take it where we can get it, even if it's in the goddamn DMs of a Twitter chat. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's it's better than nothing. I'm with you all the way on that, and I'm actually like very grateful to be a part of that. So uh, I I got Zach to thank for that. You know, he invited yeah. me in. So yeah, he invited me in last year, and I said no because I just I had so many leagues, and uh, he he <laughs> got uh, yeah, and you know he got me kind of he asked me kind of late in draft season and stuff, and uh, this year he asked me very early. I was like, you know what, sure, fine. Uh, I could use a draft that's earlier than, you know, uh, most other industry leagues are going. Uh, and I'm so grateful he asked me because it, it has been such a blast to uh, get to chat with you guys. And not that I didn't know you guys all beforehand, but I feel like there has been so much added, like, friendship and growth in our relationships uh, in that league. And so I just, yeah, been, it's been a blast. It's like one of the yeah. most beautiful things that have come out of COVID. Yeah, oh, yeah. So nice. Yeah, SP Streamer, John L., all yeah. kinds of great people in there, like you said. So I'm grateful to be a part of it. Thank you, Zach. And thanks to Justin for talking fantasy process with us. That's really cool. I hope that's an evergreen segment for everybody who can just go back and listen to that. If you have questions or thoughts, we try to ask the questions that you want to hear and as always, you can email the show, Plaza Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Two L's, two Z's. Utah. And give me two. Tell us, hey, I want to know about this from this specific analyst. You tell us. We'll ask it. It's that simple. Trust me. Okay. Now, it is time for Shine or Ride the Pine. I'm going to give you projections, and you guys are going to tell me what you're thinking, how you're feeling about it. It's that simple. And today's projections, usually we switch it up. Sometimes we do ATC. Sometimes we might do Steamer. It all depends on the mood we're in. And we also use Steve Paulo's Stomper Projections. And Steve Paulo is a personal friend of mine. He's a great dude, and I want more people to know about him, so we're going to keep pushing his Stomper Projections. Stomperprojections.com. Check it out. All right. It's real simple, Justin. You know, I'm going to give you a projection, and you say shine, which means you're taking it, or ride the pine. No. Make sense? Yep. Oh, good. Okay, you're still with us. Great. All right, here's the first one. Let's start with Cody Bellinger. 12 stolen bases. Shine, 12 or more steals, or ride the pine. Mm, I'm going to say ride the pine. Uh, you know, coming off the shoulder surgery, they may not want to risk him on the base paths uh, quite as much. I mean, he could easily he could easily shine this one, but I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative there. Deary? It's six and 56 games last year. He averages double digits every year he's been in the league. I'm going to go with shine on this one. I think he probably gets to about 14 or 15. Hey, hey all right. 
By the way, we're assuming a full season on these stats, so mm -hmm. if we don't have a full season, all of this will be moot. You Darvish is now a San Diego Padre. He's loving his life in the California coast. Will he love it so much that he can give us 189 IP? Shine or ride the pine, Justin? I'm going to go shine. Ooh, um, really? Yeah, I, I know that he hasn't really done that uh, in quite a long time, but uh, he's shown health the last two seasons. Uh, you know, his last real injury was like the blister issues. Uh, I think I think he's going to be fine in San Diego, and I do think he's going to rack up a ton of minutes. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, I'm going Shine. I mean, he's one of my keepers in my main league here. Uh, I know there's a lot of unknown whether there will be a six-man rotation, but I think he's getting his 30 to 31 starts. So I'm going to go Shine. I think he gets about 190. Holy wow. I was not expecting that to be a clean sweep, but it was. Next man up is Jordan Alvarez, a guy coming off. Well, he's just chronically injured with that knee. It could be a degenerative thing. It could not be. Eric Cross, who's also in our Battle of the Podcast League. Much respect, Eric. Eric Cross seems to think, uh, based on his conversations with a doctor he talked to, that he trusted, that Jordan Alvarez is going to be fine. So, in the spirit of that, Justin, can you buy Jordan Alvarez giving us 30 home runs in 2021? 30 or more home runs, yes or no? Mm, God, that's, that's tough. Um... I'm going to say ride the pine. Mm. Uh, as a person who has chronic knee issues, um, you know, and I'm not an elite athlete. Let's let's <laughs> get that. Let's get out. I'm close. Like you and Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, yeah I'm so like a 60-grade athlete as opposed to an 80-grade athlete. Um, but I just don't trust. Like, he's a guy who's 23. He's a big dude. Um, he's already having knee issues. I just don't know that I believe that he's going to be able to play in 140 games. Uh, now, we've seen him in what, hit 27 home runs in 2019 in just 87 games. So maybe he doesn't need 140 to get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I guess I probably should be taking the over on this, but I'm going to take the under. All right. Well, hey. At the end of the season, we're going to review this, and we're going to call you out for being a loser. No, I'm Wouldn't just be the first well, time. Well, we, yeah, oh, won't be the last time either. Yeah. I get called a loser all the time. Deary, what do you take, 30 or are you going under? I think there's going to be a lot of load management with him. Again, he's 23 years old. Uh, you know, this guy, they want to keep him healthy so he can be the future, you know, DH of this team. So I'm not sure he gets 500 at-bats this year. But shit, yeah, 27 home runs in 369 games. I'm rooting for the guy. I think if he gets to 400 at-bats, I'm going to say he does it. So I'm going to go with Shine. Woo! Gutsy, I like it. Oh, Kenta it's Maeda. real gutsy. <laughs> oh, it is gutsy. Gutsy, gutsy, gutsy. Kenta Maeda is in Minnesota for a full season, hopefully, this time. Can we expect 200 or more strikeouts? Justin Mason. Mm, yes. Oh! I, um, I, I believe in the, the raw skills, and I don't think the Twins are going to have the kind of rotation where they can baby him in the way, or bullpen, that they can baby him in the same way that the Dodgers did. Uh, I think they're going to have to ride him, and especially in a really competitive division where the White Sox look like a team that could be a beast of a team, and the Indians, while they're selling pieces, are definitely not done. Uh, the Royals are getting better. Uh, and the Tigers are the Tigers. Um, oh! <laughs> sorry, guys. Oh, all right. I'll uh, leave that be. Fine. I think they are going to rely on him. 
for 170 plus innings. And I think if that's the case, he could reasonably get to 200 plus strikeouts. Dear, is this a reasonable request? 200 Ks? I'm going to go with the ride the pine on this one. I love Kenta Maeda. I think he's a top 20 fantasy guy. I think he's probably getting to about 170, 175 innings. He's going to be the bulldog for him, for them. Uh, but, I mean, we're looking at, you know, a serious jump in, in K percentage if we're going to get to 200. And he's got to pull probably more than 170 innings. So I am going to go ride the pine, but I really do love him as a fantasy, fantasy option this year. Fun fact. His career high is 179, which he did back in 2016. So this would be a first, but hey, there's always a first time for everything. How about this guy, T. Oscar Hernandez? A lot of hype. People are buying in big time on T. Oscar. Justin, will you buy in so much on T. Oscar Hernandez that you'll go with a 31 or more home run season? Mm, yes. Whoa, um, shit, really? I, I mean, don't, I like him, but wow. I don't know if it's, it's going to come at the cost of batting average. So, like, he had 289 this year. There's no way that's happening again. Yeah. Um, it's He's probably, like, a 245 type hitter. But the power is legit. Dude is, like, one of those stat cast heroes. And I think his 2020 gives him a lot of leeway in that, uh, in that lineup. And I actually think there's a chance he could get traded to another team uh, for pitching. So, because, I mean, if you look, like, who are they going to trade? Grichik's value is kind of at an all-time low. They really like Lourdes Gurriel. I don't think they're going to trade Gurriel. So, I think Teoscar is the most reasonable person that they could trade for pitching. Um, I would feel actually more comfortable, and this may be a weird thing considering, you know, he plays in Toronto in that lineup. I think he's more likely to get to 31 home runs if he is in a different, different team because there will be less options to replace him if he struggles. So... I'm going to say yes, but I think there are a lot of avenues for him not getting there if he's not traded. Deary, are you joining Justin? I am. This guy's a barrel, hard hit, and EV monster. I mean, he had 16 home runs in 50 games. Interesting take by Justin on whether if whether he struggles and him possibly being replaced, and would he be a better fit somewhere else where he wouldn't be replaced? I think he doesn't. I think he has a super solid season. It's going to go with a ton of strikeouts, but I'm shining on this one. Liam Hendricks, he's a big signee for the Chicago White Sox in the offseason. He's going to be the closer, the stopper. 29 or more saves, Justin Mason. Yeah, I think he's going to do that. I mean, he he's on one of the best, uh, or what looks to be one of the best teams in the American League in Chicago, adding all that talent uh, and those young guys starting to come into their own. Uh, and I think he's just going to save a ton of games for them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take I'm gonna take the over on, on 29 games. Deary, are you as confident? Yeah, I think even if he struggles and his ERA is going to come back to earth a little bit and not going to be under two like it was the last few years, I'm probably projecting more of maybe low threes, maybe at the worst three and a half. But I got the White Sox as my third best team right now in the majors. They're going to win a shit ton of games. And yeah, I think he saves 30. Okay. Nick Castellanos. A lot of excitement when he was finally going to be a Cincinnati Red, that he was going to finally just be this guy, the guy. He left the Tigers in the dust, and he's got a park where he could mash. Eh, wasn't all that great last year, but, you know, you may have heard rumors about last year. Justin Mason, 261 average or better for Nick Castellanos in 2021. Oh, I didn't think you were going to go with the average on this one. Um, 
I'm going to say over. I mean, last year was the first time since 2015 he had a below a 272 batting average. So, I, I mean, he got very uh, unlucky on balls and play at a 257 Babbitt when he's a 329 Babbitt guy. Uh, it's a great park to hit in. He's got a ton of power. I mean, I, I love Castellanos. He's actually in, I've drafted 10 leagues already this year. And he's on five of those 10 teams. So I'm a big believer in, in Nick Castellanos. Oh, no shit you are. Damn. Deary, are you a believer as well? Yeah, I am. I think the Babbitt, is, Babbitt blaster is a huge outlier. Just looking at everything else he did production-wise, there's no reason that he should have batted 225 last year. 274 career hitter. I think he's probably right around that number, and I think he has a really nice season in Cincinnati. Justin Mason, there's a new Met in town, and his name is not Francisco Lindor. It's Carlos Carrasco. Could we expect 174 or more innings pitched from Carlos in 2021? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, you're picking these stat categories that are are really, really uh, tough. I'm going to say, man, I'm going to say yes. Oh, Prior to getting cancer, which is something completely out of his control, yes. he had thrown 192 innings in 2018 and 200 innings in 2017. He seems completely healthy. He looked really good in those 68 innings last year. I actually think Carlos Carrasco is a wildly underrated starting pitcher uh, coming into the season. I ranked him as my number 17 starting pitcher, and I've been toying with the idea of moving him up from there. Um, and so yeah, I love me some Carlos Carrasco this year. Oh wow, Deary! Uh, what's what's the number? Mi- what's the number, Mike? One seventy four. I keep trying to find reasons to be out on Carlos Carrasco, and I just can't seem to find it. I really like the Mets this year. I really love the signing. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say he does it. I think he's gonna end up right around that number. Uh, but I think he's gonna have a really, really solid season. I think he he shines on this one. Hey, hey, all right. We'll do a couple more. Wrap this up. New Blue Jay, Marcus Simeon. Will he score 88 or more runs, Justin? 88 or more. Simeon? Yeah, yeah he, he's going to do that. Yeah, he's going to do it. I mean, he's, he's projected about second in uh, in that stacked, absolutely stacked Toronto lineup. Uh, I, I think he is going to bounce back quite a bit. I really love Marcus. I've always been a Marcus Simeon guy. Uh, get him out of Oakland into a much better hitting environment. And into that AL East where the pitching isn't that great outside of Garrett Cole uh, and um, and Tyler Glass now. Uh, I mean, yeah, give give me all the shares of Marcus Simeon. I, I think he's gonna. I think he'll easily beat eighty eight runs. I think he's gonna score hundred this year. Dude, that's exactly what I said in the Battle of the Podcast chat. I think somebody got in my face about that. I love to hear that. Uh, what about you, Deary? 88 or more runs? I hated him in Oakland like Justin did. And if he sticks at the top of that order, that is unbelievable. I, I have the Blue Jays as the fifth best offense right now in the majors. So, yeah, shit, if he gets to 100, wow, the fantasy value for him is going to be amazing. So uh, I'll go shine as well. Hmm. Ramon Laureano, his former teammate in Oakland. 341 or higher, OBP. 341 or higher, Justin. Mm, I'm gonna... Oh, that is so difficult. Man, you've really picked some good stat categories for this one. I I know what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm gonna say under. You said 341? 
Yep. He's never had a 341 at the major league level. So I don't think he's going to get there. Uh, it, I mean, and who knows? He's got some, some you know, scary injury history too. So he could end up getting there by just not playing a full season. Um, but uh, we did see the walk rate rise quite a bit last year, but it's it still, he had a 338 on base percentage. So I don't think patience actually paid off for him. And I would expect him to be, a little bit more aggressive this year, so I don't think he's going to get to 341. Okay. Deary, you get a buy-in on 341 or higher? Just for the sake of disagreement, uh, I'm going to go shine on this one. I think you throw out last year's average in his OBP. He did have a 340 OBP in 19 in 123 games. I, I do like him a lot. Uh, so I'm going to go shine on this one. I think he gets to about 345. Hey, hey all right. Jorge Soler, remember him? Boy, he really exploded in 2019, but we haven't heard so much about him since then. Uh, A career year that will be very, very difficult to top. Can Jorge Soler get back to basics and give us 30 or more home runs? Justin. Absolutely. Absolutely love Jorge Soler, and he's going to be a full-time DH this year. No reason for him to to play the outfield at all and risk him getting hurt because – the thing that has stopped him throughout his entire career is staying on the field. And so I think they're just going to protect him at that DH spot. No more right field for him. Let him just do what he does and hit that ball hard and long. I think he's going to have another big year and be like a 40 home run guy. So 30 easy. Wow. Deary, you agree with that? Yeah, I'm on board. This guy's a fucking monster. Six foot four, 240 pounds. And they get him out of the field, like Justin said. I think he's going to eclipse 40. I don't care if he bats 235, because if he hits 40 home runs, he's going to have a fantastic season, probably 100 RBIs on a struggling Royals team, but I'm on board with it as well. When He, he absolutely murders the ball. The, the, the hard hit rate and barrels have been insane the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, I'm on board. Shine with Jorge Soler. All right, and finally, for Justin, uh, San Francisco outfielder Mike Yastrzemski. Can we expect Mike Yastrzemski to have a slugging of 432 or higher? 432. No, I'm not a Mike Yastrzemski guy, and I think a lot of people are shocked. Just like your face is showing shock <laughs> right now, being a Giants fan, uh, and and I I just I don't buy what he does. His Statcast profile is not that uh, not that beautiful. Um, I think he is a guy that will walk a lot. And that will help his, you know, that will help the team, especially if he's going to be leading off or even hitting third. You know, I've seen him uh, bounce around a little bit in in kind of projections in terms of where he might bat in the lineup. But I don't think he is. I think he is what he is. I think he's a very good player, but not a great one. And I don't think we're going to see his his slugging be that high. Deary, it's not that high. 432. You going to go for it or no? No. I mean, this guy spent seven years in the minors. He's now 30 years old. He rarely hit for average in the minors. Uh, home run to fly ball rate absolutely skyrocketed 19. I just, he's a good player. He's a good major league player. Uh, he's probably going to help the Giants out a lot defensively, but like those expecting him to be a top 100 player, I think that's a stretch. And I'm going to be out on this one. So I'm going to say ride the pine. Okay, well, there you have it. That's Sean or Ride the Pine. Boy, we have been talking for way too long. we got to wrap this show up. I can't believe it. It's just flown by. I, I, I'm going to give my wife your numbers. So that way she can yell at you as opposed to yelling at me. 
Yeah, my yeah, wife, yeah, exactly. My wife already went to bed, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. But before we go, before we go, we did promise the audience one thing, so we have to stick to our guns on this. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So, Justin, I want to hear from you. What is up your ass, man? What is pissing you off? What bothers you? It doesn't have to be baseball related. It could be anything in this great world of ours. We want to hear it. Come on. I don't really have anything, man. I, I don't know. I, I've been trying to. The hard part is you guys are so cheery and so fun that I have not been able to get my headspace uh, into the uh, into the rage. Fun. Yeah, I don't. I just don't have any rage in my heart right now, which is weird for me. Usually yeah, <laughs> my like the biggest complaint I get is I'm too negative. So, um, uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, I got nothing for you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine by me. We can wrap up the show. But I at least tried, damn it. If the audience ever complains and say, hey, why didn't you do that with Justin? He would have been perfect for that. We tried. It's okay. I, Sometimes I, we're just having too good of a time. That's it's, okay. It's, the songs have melted my frozen heart. <laughs> Well, there it is, folks. The Palazzo Podcast, ProtonMail.com, Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's, two Z's. You know the drill. We're always here for you. We give you everything you want. We try to help you when we can. And if you have questions, you have thoughts for Justin after the show, I'll send them. I'll forward them to him. I will. But you can also contact him on your very own by doing what, Justin? Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I've got a public profile, and I accept everybody if uh, especially if you want to, like, you know, find leagues. I know a lot of Facebook groups that I can add you to for that kind of thing, or where you just want to DM me a question and you're not on Twitter. Uh, you can always find me on Facebook. Um, then, yeah, you can see all my work over at Fangrass, Friends of Fancy Benefits. And then I do the podcast with Paul, the Sleeper in the Bus, the Friends of Fancy Benefits uh, baseball podcast, and uh, the TGFBI podcast. So, yeah, that, that's all the spots. And the draft guide. Buy the damn no, draft, guide. draft guide. Yeah, you buy the draft guide on Amazon. The fantasy benefit. Um, it comes in paperback or ebook on Amazon, or if you want the seven dollar PDF, which is t- cheaper than the Amazon options, uh, you can email me justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com. That's what I did, and I love every minute of it. Uh, Deary, tell people where they can find you and what's going on in your life. Yeah, cdeary 99 on Twitter. I am excited for the TGFBI announcement tomorrow, so there will be some excited tweets from me tomorrow. I got tomorrow off, so I'm fucking excited to be home. we got our pod with uh, Spore tomorrow afternoon, so I'm excited for that. I'm really going to start digging deep into a lot of starting pitcher stuff this weekend because I'm going to have the time, and we are gearing towards pitchers and catchers report. So I am excited. Well said, dearie. Don't forget, we appreciate all of you guys' comments and feedback and interest. We are on Facebook, too. We're also on Twitter. We're also on Instagram. Plaza Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Email the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. We are the official podcast for fantasy baseball news of Russell Crowe. Godspeed, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.